this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Welcome all to our seventh episode of Tales of Tamriel. We are pleased to have you all joining us again. We have a great show planned for everyone this evening. Let's start off by introducing the host. As always, I am your host, Jelos. He who wastes all of his coin in Dunmary brothels. With me this evening, I also have my beautiful wife. She who needs zombie bashers instead of ushers at her in-game wedding, Thais. How are you doing this evening, my dear? Uh, glad now that I found out you spend all your money in brothels. That was uh, interesting to know. But I'm good. I'm good. Well, here's the thing. If I if I don't give it to the you know the dark elf hookers, I have to give it to you. One way or the other, I'm paying someone. Well, you should you should pay me instead. Then we can buy more kaji to litter to, to, to clutter up our house. Uh, I think we have enough kaji. It, people have already said that after having. You know, how how can you stand living with three of them talking in third person all the time? Pinello loves you. Pinello hates you. Pinello loves you. <laughs> Lovely. Alright. We also have a returning host tonight. Writer for TalesOfTamriel.com and man who wishes he could fly instead of just falling to his death. Krabby. How are you doing this evening, good sir? Uh, not bad, not bad. How is everyone else? Good, because everyone already said that, so that was kind of <laughs> awkward. Nice, nice. I started off great. <laughs> no, it's going to be fun. I'm uh, I'm glad you asked me to come back. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you back. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, I'm glad you both could join me this evening. Let's get started. We'll go straight into the game news. First off, I wrote this down that... Uh, Everyone should be patching their ESO client if you haven't already, because there was a new... I I marked down 800 megs, but I think it's close to that patch out on the patcher. So if you guys haven't, I recommend doing so. That way, when the next beta comes out, you will be ready. Nothing sucks quite as bad as uh, want, being ready for beta and then having to sit wait on the patcher to finish. Did uh, everyone update their, their things? I know you told me about it, but I <laughs> I forgot. So no, I didn't. <laughs> the second I saw it on Reddit, somebody was like, "Oh my god, there's an update!" I, I was like, "I have to. I just I want to get it out of the way right now. Just do it." So I did that immediately. Yeah, we uh, like two betas back or whatever. Thais did not take my advice, and she did not patch her game. So we actually didn't get to play together. She had to play on my computer. We had to take turns. Because our internet is less than subpar and our download rates are horrible. So whenever there were big patches, we would have to download for days. I think it took us three or four days to download the original beta client. And um, I think it's time you get a new uh, internet <laughs> service provider. We are, if this, if this was a place, it would be Skyrim. And I'm not talking like the lower parts, which are populated. I'm talking like Morthal kind of area. 
we're pretty far out. We uh, only have one internet provider, and they are terrible. Our yeah. internet is actually some Amish guy's horse in a wheel, and he's just running his butt off trying to give us service. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, at least uh, when the game comes out, you don't have to re-download the client. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's If it actually came to that, I would pack our computers up and take them to work and plug them into <laughs> our business class internet to download. I, I would. I'd just pull them right into the server room, park them right next to one of the server <laughs> racks, and plug them in. Have fun. All right. We're going to move on from that one because that was just a quick note. But uh, Elder Scrolls Online posted a new screenshot for concept art of crafted weapons and shields. Not a lot to it, except for it was just a bunch of concept art of the different weapons and shields and stuff that you will be able to craft in Elder Scrolls Online. Krabby, did you uh, did you see this post? Yeah, yeah, no, I think it looks awesome. I, 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 I really like the art style in this game. I'm happy with uh, everything they got going. I, I think the weapons look awesome. I'm not going to use a shield, so, you know, eh. I will probably use a little bit of everything. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm terrible when it comes to this kind of stuff. Cause in uh, when we were playing Guild Wars Two, when you could have multiple different weapons, I had one of every weapon in my bag at all times, and I just kept replacing it while I was leveling with a higher version. I am probably going to do something very similar in Yellow Scrolls Online. Unfortunately, with the limited bag space, I'm going to have up like twelve spots just filled with weapons because I like to switch them up and level them all together. See, I'm the opposite of that. I will never use a shield. I will never use a two-handed weapon. And I will never use heavy armor. Those are the three things that I can't stand when I play video games. Because heavy armor just, it doesn't appeal to me. I don't like it. You don't think metal bikinis protect that much? No, no, not enough. I I like my my hoodie bits to be you know thoroughly protected and running around in a metal bikini just does not seem conducive to a good you know environment yeah so i think the heavy armor is really conservative for women i think the most revealing is the medium armor for women yeah yeah the um yeah medium armor the leather is but they've always been that and i'm actually very glad that they stick with that It, it fits the the dark gritty lore of the Elder Scrolls. Yeah. Nothing quite as uh, lore-breaking as seeing a metal bikini and orc girl go by in metal bikini. Albeit, I will say something that I saw during beta last time that was really disturbing and is actually on your screen. Do you want to tell them about this? Was it in the brothel? No, it wasn't. It was something much worse than that. No, my brothel was awesome compared to this. (laughs) We were... We just started in Cold Harbor because we were starting in a new area playing with the character models. And as I'm leaving the area where you get your weapon, I walk through that door and I go up the steps. And there is an orc standing on one of Wasn't the... it a red guard? I thought it was yeah, a red guard. It was a red guard. And he was standing on a gate, like above everybody. And he made his red guard just huge. All of his... He had like the max butt you could get. His body was just this gigantic orc and he's standing on this fence post dancing but he was naked <laughs> this this just naked giant red guard dancing on this post and i think i sat there for five minutes watching everything jiggle because i was just entranced by this gross spectacle and it was it was it was very disturbing 
Talk about spectacles. I'm telling you, I, I, I go to Reddit so often. I can't even tell you how many human centipede pictures I've seen of, <laughs> of naked players lining up and like, what are they? They're, they're doing like the kneel down or the bend down thing or something. It's just <laughs> the, the stuff they post on Reddit is just crazy. It's so funny. Oh, yeah, that's why uh, Reddit is Reddit. All <laughs> right, moving on to the next section here. Developer question of the week number 61. I actually wrote this one down because I think it would be kind of neat for us to answer this question for this week because it was a neat question. Um, the question was, many of you have had the opportunity to explore Tamriel during the beta. What is your favorite location, quest, or NPC so far? Uh, Krabby, why don't you go ahead and go first? My favorite location. My favorite location would have to be. I love uh, what is it? Bleakfall Island or uh, Bleak Rock Island? Bleak Rock Island. I I love snow. I so I and I love. I mean, I love Skyrim, you know. But I I just like that whole snowy feel, you know. So I mean, that that's my favorite location. And my favorite quest. My favorite quest is that introduction to Cyrodiil one that they always ask you about in the survey because I've never seen that quest. That's why it's my favorite quest. Cause they always ask me about it, but I've never seen it. And my favorite. That's NPC- awesome. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite NPC, um, Maluka, just because it's awesome that somebody that was in the community that wasn't part of the dev team got put into the game. That, that, that's like, that that's an awesome fan service thing that I mm-hmm. that I see. You know, I like that idea of that. So, that's awesome. All right, Thais, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us your answers? Okay, well, one of my favorite locations is the one that I said on the last show that that perfect little wedding spot. But my favorite location out of everything is not just the one location. I'm not a fan of beaches in real life because I just, I hate sand. It gets everywhere, all the nooks and crannies, you can't get it out. But beaches in in ESO are gorgeous. So every area where there's a beach, I love it. With the little little animals and the way that the waves look. And I'm not actually in the sand, but it just, the sand looks really good. So any location that is a beach, I thoroughly enjoy being around. Now, I don't have a favorite NPC. I haven't spent any time reading the quest because I'm waiting till it actually comes out. But my favorite quest is definitely that treasure hunting quest we did. Mm, yes. Oh, the one in Daggerfall? Uh, yes. yes. It is our treasure. That, quest. That's a good that was great. So, yes, beach, any, any location with a beach and that treasure hunting quest. Well, for myself, I've actually thought about this, and my favorite location was what I talked about last week. It was actually that alien ruin with the talking statue. I don't know why. I just I love the fact that they put that in there for seemingly no reason. It was right. It's actually right across the river. I forget what the name of the river is now. For all the lore nerds out there, they will kill me. Uh, but it's the river surrounding the Imperial City. It's right off right off that section. That's my favorite location, just because of that. Um, favorite NPC is definitely the rogue we met in Daggerfall. 
the very first rogue that you help out just because I think he's hilarious talking sitting there on the on the mat with the girls going ah yeah the uh the warlord's sitting right there I guess these uh two lovely ladies wore him out and he's just over there flirting with these two guys <laughs> these two girls while there's a guy who wants to kill him passed out next to him and every time you walk around all the female characters like in in the tavern and stuff are all like oh he's so amazing it, he's I, I love him he's hilarious um i would have to say for my favorite quest with you it's that is odds or whatever it is treasure hunt um like these i have not been reading the quest because i want to save it for launch um i will literally be talking to every npc and listening to everything because i adore that but for the betas because it's so limited i've just been rushing so um yeah so i haven't done much for the quest all right that was that's an, I, I like that question. That's why I mentioned it. Now that I say I love beaches, all I can think of are the snowy places. That one mountain that I walked around for an hour for no reason, and it was just really pretty. Which was on Bleak Rock. I guess it was. So now I have to say that I like snow, too. Okay, I, I guess my, my real thing is here. I don't have a favorite location. I liked everywhere that I went. I, I, like I really Tamriel. do. <laughs> just all of Tamriel. It's so pretty. I like anywhere where the sunbeams can shine through the trees. Oh, the god <laughs> it looks Yes, because it looks so awesome. Yeah, it's when you're walking up the, the road and there's the little beams sticking out, you're like, oh, this is my new favorite. Mm-hmm. If anyone's been to the Tales of Tamriel website and looked at the gallery, you will see my obsession with the god rays. Because every time there was a new god, I'm like, screenshot, screenshot, screenshot. <laughs> it's literally just a lot of screenshots of my back looking out and watching the sun come over or something. So that's 90% of the screenshots on there. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the next section is I'm going to skip that next one in line. We'll go down one ESO Alliance recorded on Friday, March 7th. Um, if you have not had a chance to listen to it yet, I recommend it. I haven't seen it on the podcast feed. I'm kind of sad about that, but I do know it is on tamrielfoundry.com. Uh, I think there's a link to it on Elder Scrolls Off the Record, as well as their YouTube sites. So anyone who hasn't, I do recommend watching that. That's a collaborative podcast, if you will, from various parts of the community. Um, Avarwin from Elder Scrolls Off the Record was on there. Uh, both Kyle and Josh from Shoddycast were on there. And I can't remember the... Uh, Tropos... Atropos yeah, I think Atropos is on there. And there was that woman from um, the Imperial Library. Right, the Imperial Library. So that'll be a, a good uh, podcast to listen to. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I will definitely be doing that. Next off is... This I cannot confirm. Krabby, I don't know if you have any hard news on this, but there's a potential ESO beta weekend on the 14th, according to <clears throat> some website, some Finnish website. I didn't mark it down, and I should have. Yeah, um, IGN, you know, everybody knows about IGN, and uh, they, they have a bunch of different websites in different languages and different countries, and apparently, now, I, I don't speak Finnish, so um, apparently somebody had, uh, what's the word, Con- converted? <laughs> um, Google Translate. Yeah, translated. Google Translated, <laughs> the, uh, the, the IGN Finnish website, and it said that um, the next beta weekend would be March... Um, 14th on that Friday next Friday 
Yeah, so I could see that, you know, especially with launch and especially for you guys who pre-ordered the 31st. We all get to play at the end of this month, guys. 30th. 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 Thank you. It's the Sunday. Sorry. Yes, Sunday. So we're actually extra day. Oh, dear. I just lost a day. People are going to be upset with us. But yeah, as of right now, exactly three weeks from today, we will be in Elder Scrolls Online. I feel like I've been waiting. I I can't even remember two years ago hearing about it. And I was just like, oh, I want this game to come out now. (laughs) I mean, I know it's getting so close. It's it's crazy. I'm sitting here and I took off the entire week, uh, the 30th through the uh the fifth so i will be off all week to play so hopefully i'm gonna go out and get a bunch of junk food and energy drinks and spend spend 20 dollars at taco bell and you'll be set for the next four days <laughs> yeah that's a good idea that is a great idea yeah let's let, let's do that we'll stock up on cases oh, of red bull i got one taco of those <laughs> I got one of those grilled stuffed nachos today. So good. <laughs> All right. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we should talk to uh, Taco Bell about sponsoring the show for how much we've been talking about. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the next part is on 3-7, which was two days ago. There was a live Q&A from creative director Paul Sage on TSOElite.com about crafting, actually. And we did a uh, summary on the website that just pulled all the questions out because they did it on their forms. So if you want to, um, there is a summary of all the questions on talesoftamriel.com with a link back to the original TSO Elite if you feel like wading through it. But as of as of the time when I went through it all, there were 20 pages of comments. So I don't know if anyone really wants to rip through it. But um, there were a few questions on there that I wanted to pull out, which I thought were kind of neat. One of them was, in endgame ESO, will crafting gear be equivalent or better than dungeon drops? And the answer from Paul Sage was, crafted gear of equal level and equal quality rating will always be, be better than drop gear from a numerical standpoint. Weapons do more damage, armor has more armor. However, certain enchantments can only be found on drops. Crafters can always improve these items, which have unique enchantments. What do you guys think of that? That makes me sad because I'm 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 going to be funding all my mat. It's funneling all my mats to you, so you you better be making me really awesome gear. Otherwise, I'm not going to have the cool crafted gear. Well, I have no problem with that cuz I adore the crafting. So, uh, I'm fine with that. What about you, Krabby? Um, I like it. They they seem like they kind of know what they're doing, making crafting be useful in this game. And I mean, let's be realistic. You play, you know, you play Warcraft. The only thing crafting is really good for is, you know, the passive buff you get at max level or wh- whatever. You know, I mean, I can't really think of a game where crafting was as useful as it appears to be in this, other than sandbox games. Like in a theme park game, MMO setting, the crafting in this, I, I like how they're smashing it into to end, to end game gear. I like it. Well, the last time in Warcraft that crafting was at all useful was during Vanilla and Burning Crusade. I remember the Weaponsmith kind of weapons where you actually got crafting yeah. materials from the end game raids that you could use to make weapons that were 
not really top like they wouldn't compete with the top end stuff like from the final bosses but it would get you very close in there it was equivalent to the beginner boss stuff there were mm-hmm. it was good to be in there and i like the idea of being able to improve upon crafted gear from crafters that gives crafters a way of making money you'll see me probably standing in the city going max level blacksmith you know willing to increase your stuff so yeah i definitely like the point where crafting remains viable other than like in warcraft for instance the only crafting that was viable was the alchemy cooking because you those were and again that was uh mentioned in this po- or in this uh post about the most profitable later on would probably be alchemy and and provisioning just because of consumption rate people need mm-hmm. them as content gets harder other games those were the only ones that were profitable i think jewelry crafting was too because every time you got new gear you had to put gems in it but <clears throat> the blacksmithing it, the engineering stuff like that in warcraft teared off they weren't good anymore um but this is kind of neat that crafters will still be used to inc- you know even if you don't make it you can make it better um so yeah and that leads to a next question um will we be able to craft or modify the top gear in the game or will top gear only be gainable through adventure zones and dungeons and paul sage answers the top gear that drops will always be a, will always be able to be improved by crafters we have what internally we call boosters but our tan- tannins resins are tempers for smiths using these you can improve your gear you find of course, unless you have a lot of them, you can't improve them without risk. For instance, there is a temper for fine quality and one for superior. You need five tempers to get to fine with 100% chance of success. You might need eight to get to superior with 100% chance of success. However, you could risk destroying the weapon by not using enough boosters, as each booster adds percentage of success. Either of you play with crafting in beta? I did a little bit, very, very little bit, but at the very beginning, you don't really have much to work with. So I think I went around to every table, used what little mats I had. I just played around with it a little bit, and I, I did enjoy it. I did. But I I feel like it'll be something where I'm going to enjoy the gathering much more, because I, I, I love gathering. I really do. Well, at least I'll have a... You know, I won't even have to put perks into uh, the the hirelings because i'll have one over here doing it for me <laughs> what about you crabby um yeah <clears throat> i like i did i did a little bit of crafting i got my woodworking my woodworking till like five i think um i liked it i mean i i like how you can add traits to the base item then you can enchant on top of that and you know how there's different levels of quality to increase the items it's, it's really cool i like I, li- I like where it is right now right um I, I did actually find those tempers they're talking about, and it is a gamble if you don't have enough. Like when I was just playing around with it, if you don't have enough, it will destroy your weapon and the temper if you don't have enough. So I'm excited to see like the legendary quality requiring like a huge amount of tempers to get it up that high. Or so, that would be a neat way to tie really high end crafting stuff into the the rating in the game don't make the items like legendary items in warcraft originally were hard to get 
you know, there were big quest lines, there was rare drops. I think it'd be neat that in the adventure zones, if they did this, where legendary items would need to be crafted, but you would have to find the tempers that only drop from those veteran rank things to get the tempers up there, and you'd have to be saving them until you had enough to. Here you go. Let's let's see what we can do. Well, it's funny. It, it's funny. One of the questions here was, uh, <clears throat> will the reward for, say, legendary or epic crafts be a notable difference than a drop anyone can get from a dungeon? And the answer was, legendary items don't drop. That was the other quote, and I was actually so, going to pull in here. That was the other one I wanted to highlight. Awesome. Because that it does it is interesting that the legendary, the highest level of items and armor will not drop. It won't be a, oh, look, I killed a boss and I had a 5% chance to drop it. Look, there it is. It's going to be something you have to work for. And I like that. Yeah. That just well, raises the question to me, will the tempers be tradable then? Like, will I be able to get a whole bunch to give to you for you to craft me legendary gear? Um, I'm, willing, I'm willing to bet they'll be tradable, but probably super rare, I imagine. For the legendary ones, I could see. I can confirm that at least the low-level ones, like the Dwemer oil for the fine and stuff like that, are indeed tradable. They are. I don't know about the legendary ones. I think that would be kind of neat if... And by the way, for those who don't know, I did want to add this in here. There are traits to, um, to crafting these items. I don't think... Even when you're leveling your your crafting thing, I don't think you have to spend skill points in it unless you want the benefits. You can level it to 50 without spending. I can't confirm that, but I'm pretty sure because there's a bunch of them. But they're, like for blacksmithing, for instance, there is a trait line that makes your tempering more effective. So you would need less tempers to get it. So yeah, I'm wondering, that. even if they make legendary tempers like bind on pickup or something they want it to be a, an effort from you to gather and they don't want the market to go crazy all that would mean is the crafter will be able to make it for himself using less of them because they put skill points in it you like for me for let's just say throw a number out there it takes 10 legendary tempers to create a weapon but i have one that reduces by 20 percent, so i would only need eight to make the same legendary weapon so if they do decide to make those either super rare or even bind on pickup that you yourself have to gather them, then the crafter who just leveled it up would just then have to gather more. Might take them a little longer. So, Or you could just respec, put all your points into crafting, craft it, and then respec out of it. Might cost you a little bit of gold, but if it meant a legendary, I think I'd probably do it. All right. I think those are all the questions that I really wanted to pull out from crafting Q&A. Did anyone else have any? No? Okay. Um, if you guys want, the original the original post is out on TSOelite.com. And we also have a summary of all the questions out on TalesofTamriel.com where we just went through and pulled all the, the Q&As and just put them on the page so you didn't have to wade through all the pages. Oh, you know, there, there is one more thing out of this I was glancing over that I wanted to bring up that made me really happy. Now, thinking about, you know, playing Warcraft and Rift and other games, how easy it is to basically get almost anything with the exception of the hardcore raiding stuff. 
the one thing that I liked in this Q&A that I saw, which is kind of an artificial barrier, but I like it, is one of these questions was, is the six-hour timer for researching traits going to stay? And it was, as I mentioned, it actually goes up in time, and yes, it is going to stay. So Excellent. I like that because you're not going to, you know, log in and get to 50 in four days and then, you know, be able to have a legendary, the best item in the game mm-hmm. right away. You're going to have to actually, it might, what, what, what he said, like what, some of them take 24 hours to learn a trait, you know, like I like that's that. awesome. I like that time sink where you do something, you log off the next day you log in and it's done. It makes you feel like you're doing something when you're not actually playing, and I really like that. It does, and it's nice that you're like, oh, I'm going to log off. Oh, wait, i got to set my, my researches. Yeah. It, it, and it also provides a type of uh, long, uh, long longevity to the game because games that make it so everything comes quickly, people burn out of. Because mm-hmm. there are those hardcore players, like for myself. I'm taking an entire week off work to play this game. I'm going to be playing this <laughs> many, many hours every day until I have to go back to work. Um, if the game was easy, I would not do this for a single player game. Oh, not no. even Skyrim, because if I had all that time and I can just rush through everything, you can, you'll be done and you'll be bored. But having that long-term goal, and that's the thing that modern MMOs really annoy me about, is the lack of a long-term goal is what keeps keeps people g- looking for the new MMO because they're bored. They're done. You know, oh, I don't want to play the same. I have nothing to do. People all go on going, I have nothing to do. And that's when there's a problem. Because I remember back playing Dark Age of Camelot. I remember playing Ultima Online. And even early Warcraft, there, uh, Ace, you can uh, attest to this. It was there was always a raid or something that we're like, man, I'd really like to get into. You know, there was a long term goal that we had in our mind that we set ourselves up to going. This is what we're going for, and it will take us a long time. And I mean, like for me, when I built Thunder Fury, that was a long. I ran the one dungeon that dropped the material week upon week, just hoping to get enough materials. You know, but that was a long-term goal. It took me like three months to finish it. Um, and that didn't even include the amount of time it took me to get the rare drops. Once I got both halves is when I really started going after it. Um, it, it did. It was just a long-term goal, something that I went into and did every single week. And I could tell you from uh, the later expansions, I did not get that same feeling. I felt like everything I was doing was not long-term enough that it mattered. I feel this has something to do with people wanting to make MMOs easier for everyone, which is not how it should be. If someone requires a game to be easy, then they should just go play something else. There should be an option for all them hardcore players to have that type of longevity where they really do have that goal that seems so hard to reach and so far away. So I I hope ESO puts into this game things that are difficult to attain because you'll have people who want to keep coming back because they they want to have that perfect example of this for a long-term goal if you're a pvp'er is the emperor title that is a long-term goal because you would have to work very hard 
and compete against every other person in your campaign to get it. That is a long term. That's a long term goal of mine. I'm not even a PvPer. I like. I want to be the. I actually already thought of the podcast episode name for when I announce that I'm Emperor. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, I'm going after that. See, yeah, I'm not a hardcore PvPer at all. And the now, when I look at that Emperor title, you know what I see? I see. I don't know if anybody remembers in Warcraft. I see High Warlord or Grand Marshal grinding. Exactly. All over again. Me too. So. Now, the way my job is, is I work eight months out of the year. So when I get laid off in, uh, let's say, November, I'm going to be up gunning for that title for like a month. And I, that, like, that's, <laughs> I feel like that's what you kind of have to do with a system like this. So I'm definitely going to be going for that. Exactly. And that's the long-term goal that will keep people coming back. Now, I hope they have one for PvP. Ian, you know what? I can really see this. Casual players need to be catered to for a little bit. Because having them, they're not really your hardcore. They're not your... As much as people are like, oh, there's more casuals than there are hardcore. There are, but most casuals also unsub from your game for four months at a time and come back later. If you give them stuff that they can do and be happy, that's great. But you need to have that hard content for the hardcore people who sub and stay sub for years. And you can make that content easier. For instance, one of the things we'll talk about later is one of the adventure zones and veteran ranks. They have a perfect system for setting up hardcore and not hardcore casual gaming right here is with veteran ranks. Cap out veteran ranks at a certain level and require the hard fights that need the veteran. Without them, you'll be you know, really, really having a hard time. And then when the next adventure zone goes up and say, let's say the one that's out at launch will be up to veteran rank 10 at veteran rank 10 is when you should really be in there taking on the trials and the hard stuff. Veteran rank 10 should take you a long time to get. Um, but then when the next one come out, let's say it's veteran rank 20 to do all that stuff. While the hardcores are pounding away at veteran rank 20, the casuals will start coming up to that veteran rank 10 and then they can do the previous raid zone, the adventure zone. I think that provides a way of not nerfing content so hardcore players get burnt out in a week and leave and board, but will allow casual players to come up and and really work on that. So I, I really, really think this is something that will definitely help out with the game long term. All right. That was a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I think it was a worthy one. Mostly it spawned from crafting legendaries and we went <laughs> on to all of that. So we're going to move on. The next bit of news, which both Krabby and I were talking about this. Um, someone posted the new changes to ESO. And I'm going to read them off. But the first thing that we were talking about is we are just amazed with the ZeniMax development. I, I don't understand this company. I, I don't like following Star Wars The Old Republic very closely I don't recall changes this big before launch like a month before launch I just it, it's it's bizarre like I mean I I don't get it I don't get how they how they're doing it it's very crazy to me Oh I know it, it is and the best part is is all these things that are they're fixing even this month before launch is things that players are concerned about 
they are listening to their player base and are trying to make this an amazing game. Like, I know even um, following Guild Wars 2, the, the before launch, things were not changed. They had a lot of stress tests. There were no changes. The, each week, or each, uh, each beta weekend that they had, there wasn't more than a few meg patch at best. Maybe just to fix some server-side issues or some glaring bugs, but there were no massive sweeping changes. But, um, alright, I'll read off some of these. Adventure Zones... Craglorn and Trials. We'll be going to talk about this a lot in detail very soon. I know everyone's eager for details, and they will be coming soon. They're actually going to be talking about Adventure Zones this month before launch. I'm excited about this. And we're going to talk about Adventure Zones at the end of this little uh, splurb of information. Next off, they have a Field of View slider that oh, they're adding. God. You know, I didn't have an issue with the field of view in first person. Some people do. Uh, Krabby, can you explain to our users, do you know what a field of view slider will do? So a field field of view is um, how far your face is like zoomed in on the screen. So for example, <clears throat> if, you, if you play Skyrim, you might not see the tip of your sword. If you adjust the field of view outwards, You'll, you'll see the tip of your sword, but at a cost. Generally, the cost to increasing field of view is you might get a slight um, fisheye effect around the corners. Um, I can say personally, I was hoping to God they would do this change, and I honestly didn't think they were going to do it. I thought it was something I would see a year later or not at all, and I was like, whatever. Because, I mean, I like playing in first person when I'm soloing, but I... I can't stand how close I feel like I am to the character. It's hard to describe. Like, I feel like I can't see enough in first person. So mm. I'm really happy about this. I'm definitely going to put it out as almost, probably as far as I can go. Right. So. Well, I, I honestly think the first person is fine. But, hey, options are never a problem. Yeah. Some people actually will get sick. In the, I, I've seen people say they get nauseous playing in first person because it's too, like... It's too close. Like they want to be able to zoom out of that view a little bit, but stay in first person. What what used to get me when I was in first person view wasn't how close everything was, and I don't want them to change it because now I enjoy it now that I'm used to it. But it was your character bouncing because when you're in, when you're in first person view, you're walking, so your character's obviously moving. And the first couple times I ever did first person view in any game. I would have to stop after 30 minutes because the bouncing made me nauseous mm -hmm. until I got used to it. But the, the view in, pers for, in first person view is amazing. I, I love being in that view because it really feels like you are that character. I honestly don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> I'm not saying it for anyone here that gets nauseous. I, I just can't fathom it. <laughs> Well, I mean, anyway. I, I see people play games with the default first person, and I'll put on, I'll open up now. Skyrim's default first person, it goes by um, degrees, I think. <clears throat> so Skyrim's default first person is, I think, sixty degrees. And every time I play Skyrim, I turn that up to eighty degrees instantly. I do get the bubbling on the corners, but I don't care. I just want to see more. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's just how I've always liked it. So, hmm. well. There we go. 
Well, at least they're adding that in for people who, you know, as long as it doesn't give an unfair advantage, like for, well, see, here's the thing. I don't think it would give an unfair advantage because I don't care how much you can see in first person. Third person, you'll see. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want unfair advantage, play in third person. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it. I stated that and then I sat there and thought to myself, well, then it really doesn't matter. If I really want to see everything, I'll just go to third person. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't care. Make it till it slides out where it's almost third person. I don't care. All right. Moving on. Improved world interactivity. You'll be able to pick up even more objects in the world, including picking up that sword or armor off the rack. That is really cool. I think the game already has way more um, interactivity than any other game I've ever played outside the uh, single players, naturally. But single players, for those who only played the single players and are like, oh, well, this MMO doesn't let you do as much. If you've never played an MMO, you'll realize this is leaps and bounds more than you can interact with the world in most MMOs. So there... I, working from an IT background, I'm a systems administrator, I get the idea of server load and what a server can handle. So having the 100% interactivity would be such a strain. And oh my goodness, the code that would be needed to do that would be a mess. But the amount that you can do in this game is just amazing. And now they're making it more. So coming from an MMO player, this is just huge amounts of interactivity, and now they're adding even more. I, I'm I'm gonna be overloaded. Not the server. I'm gonna I am, and I'm gonna be. Oh, what is that? Oh, what is that? Oh, oh what is that? It's it's. I'm gonna be over here twitching because I've only made it thirty minutes into the game. My bags are full because I'm picking up everything I find. I have a conspiracy theory. Now, <laughs> you're gonna have to go go with me on this for a while. Now, um. Star Swotor. One of the biggest issues they had with their game, and it's pretty common, is is the game engine. You know, <clears throat> like how they claim how difficult it is to make big changes and stuff. When I see this many changes in a game this close to launch, it it makes me think that their game engine is easily modified. Possibly, I don't know how they work. I'm just going off of like things I've heard, but it, it makes me feel like if they can do changes this quickly in this many and how big the changes are, then that makes me think that the game won't have glaring issues like Star Wars did and still does. So that's my little conspiracy theory on why I like these changes and how I, how, how I think why they're mm-hmm. doing it. Uh, it. It is. It's just amazing the amount of work that they are doing. Um, in this amount and now again we'll see when we go live how quickly their live team can keep up um because even for instance guild wars 2 they talked about how their engine would allow them to just pretty much do things right away it was very easy for them to add events but in my personal opinion the amount of time it took them while they had a very rapid um schedule the amount of work they did just didn't live up to the hype that they had. Like I was expecting sweeping changes and they were adding very minor things. So mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see. I just have a lot of hope from the amount of changes they've made so far to what they're going to be able to do for us come live. Yeah. It seems very like they will be able to fix problems and add new features easier than some other games, which 
is hopeful. <laughs> I mean, you know. Right. Okay. Moving on with the next thing, death recap. So when you die, it will show you uh, what actually killed you, the last top five events that contributed to your death. This comes actually uh, out of like MOBA games that do this, that just show you what it is that killed you, which honestly, uh, Thais, we can, no one will ever be able to tell us, oh, I don't know what killed me in Raid anymore. <laughs> I really? hate that response. So uh, what killed you? Oh, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Just look through your log. Oh, I can't find it. Well, now it's going to be popped up right on your screen to humi- to humiliate you. This is what killed you. The only thing that it just sucks for the person that had to endure that because now Ag's going to go, hi, you died. What killed you? And he'll be able to read how I stood died. Stood in fire. Stood in fire. Stood, stood in, in fire. It's so weird. I don't get what happened. <laughs> I was perfectly safe. It just says fire damage. <laughs> All right. That's that's pretty cool. And again, just so everyone knows, this is only viewed to you. So the people who do like, oh, no, now people see what killed me. Now it's for you. Going on. We're in, um, battle level off. They're adding a toggle to allow you to turn leveling off while battling in Cyrodiil if you wish. Thais and I had this discussion earlier. I love the idea. She's thought it was stupid when i said i was going to turn it off i thought it was needless but i can understand why you would want to turn it off i don't plan on pvping all that much and ag isn't a strong pvper but he has interest in the eso's pvp now if he's doing that without me he doesn't want to outlevel me and then make the content seem you know not worthwhile Mm -hmm. so i get that but it doesn't seem to me something that's super important but i can understand where you're coming from how about you Krabby? um i might be confused i was under the impression that battle level was you getting scaled up to 50 or are they talking about leveling in pvp they're talking about leveling in pvp because i don't know why you wouldn't want to be scaled up well you're gonna well then again i've heard people who say that they're level 49 and they're scaled to 50 and their stats are actually lowered than if they were a true level 49 maybe that's what i thought it was but i guess i'm wrong well you might be right i'm reading it as battle level off uh because the way the wording here is battle level off, it's bad grammar, but I'll read it word for word. Battle level off, we're adding a toggle so you'll be able to turn off battle leveling in Cyrodiil if you wish. I see that. I don't know why if they didn't say, um, if they wanted to add a toggle for this, why they didn't just say we'll toggle you know, you can turn off auto leveling or, you know, something like the wording doesn't sound right to me. When I hear battle leveling, I hear earning experience while in there. Cause I know in guild me wars, too. Too, the people who hit 50 first, other than one guy who did crafting in the beta weekends, which we were only, we were capped at level content of like 15 people were hitting 50 and they were doing it in ESO as well. If you notice during well, let me the, let ask you this, do you, you don't get experience for killing monsters anywhere. You only get experience for quests and exp- exploration, right? You get a little bit of experience for killing monsters, but it's very... Key. You, you would have so, to grind for a way longer than normal. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going through this Reddit page, and it seems like people are a little bit confused on it as well. 
Um, some guy even said like when you're level 40, you have better stats than, than, than if you were a leveled up 50. So, I mean, that's what I thought. I thought it was the PVP boost. That's what I thought it was. But, but then again, thinking about it, if you're level 10 and you go in there as a level 10, you're going to die in like five seconds less. So I I don't, I I don't know. Personally, I don't know what it means (laughs) now that I think about it. Well, from the leveling perspective, you may not level killing players or anything like that, but I'm pretty sure you'll level when you capture that keep because that's a big objective. That's true. Because in Guild Wars 2 that had the three-way faction PvP, you got a load of experience. You didn't kill, get a lot for killing people. You could do that all day, but when you captured that keep, you got pounded with experience and money because that was an objective you finished. So... I don't know. We it could be either way, but I don't see the the point in adding a battle level toggle because it would only be beneficial, like you said, around those weird levels where the auto level actually hurts you. But I don't know. At that point in time, I just I don't see how it'd be helpful. I think this topic is essentially a wait and see what they mean. Yeah. 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 We're not sure what they're talking about, so. Okay. Well, we'll move off on that one with our with our heads being scratched. I'm not really sure. Uh, next up, exclusive full screen mode. Um, I'm not really sure. It said, but exclusive full screen mode sounded so impressive. I thought I should embellish. Sorry about that. Um, not really sure what they mean by that. Um, okay. So <clears throat> you now, do you know how literally every single game you play? When you load it up for the first time, you cannot move the mouse outside the window if you have multi-monitors. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what exclusive full-screen mode is. Ah, got it. So, I have to ask, why why wasn't this in the game anyway? Well, you (laughs) you know. It it seemed like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I use borderless windowed mode in every game I play. It just seems kind of weird that the default for ESO was borderless windowed. Yeah full screen i said that as well because um when i was playing if i got up and walked away my screensaver would come on that doesn't happen in full screen mode it it doesn't you'll get logged out of the game first if someone messaged me my hotbar popped up or something along those lines so i knew it was running in a a windowless mode it's kind of to be honest i preferred it that way and i'll probably continue to play it that way I, I just think it's odd that I, I've literally, I can't think of a game I've played that didn't have exclusive full screen. So I just thought it was kind of weird that they're adding it. So. That they're adding it in, yeah. right? Um, the last one, and this is one of my favorite, and actually one of the things that I um, commented on right off the bat, is player separation. We know that groups of players can become separated in some of our content, and we are looking at ways to make sure you stay together with your group members. We are currently testing some solutions. I had a friend who got into beta and I had already finished bleak rock and she was playing and I went back to help her. But because I finished bleak rock, we couldn't see each other half the time. If we ever went into like a part of like a town or something, my phase was different from hers. And that really makes it hard for people to play together if you like Thais and I will play together from the start we're going to do all the quests together when we run into Krabby 
we might not be playing with Krabby all the time. So we go to help Krabby, or Krabby goes to help us. He finishes, or we finish first. We can't help each other in the way the game currently was. This is kind of neat that, you know, honestly, my idea is a simple solution is when party member gets made, whoever is the party leader, their phase takes precedence. So if you're helping someone, make them the party leader. Then you see their phase, even if you've completed it. I don't. I wonder now. I don't. I don't know from a technical point. Y- you do. I wonder how much stress that would put on the server, having to for having all these people constantly switching to other people's phases. It's no different than what it is now, um, because currently, like even when we were running in beta. Remember, half the time we when we first started Daggerfall, you were running around because we, we didn't group up when we were in Cold Harbor. And I had to teleport to you to get into your phase. Because their phasing technology works kind of like a lot of your Asian MMOs with the channels. Where when a channel gets full, it overflows to the next. And there's a soft cap on each channel that will allow you to, at 50 people signed in, this is it for that channel. The channel can hold 75, but it allows for people to um, join their friends. It's called load balancing, essentially. I I do that with all my Citrix environment at work. It's all load balancing. Once it hits a point, it goes, okay, start funneling people over here. As for technical, I don't see a problem with it. If you set a code going, okay, if you're in this group, it's like putting a force force code on it or a... um, a force redirection going, okay, this person is in phase A. Everyone who's in this group automatically gets a you know line of code or a command that goes join phase A. That's it, it's not much different than it is now, and it will actually fit the system. They just need to figure out a way of making it so that people stay together. Because it really is. It it can be kind of hard to play with your friends later on if you don't um if you don't play at the exact same time. So I am excited. This was my biggest complaint about Elder Scrolls was this, was the fact that like, if I get a friend sometime down the road who wants to play, I couldn't play with them unless I made a new character. Um, yes, I know there's no uh, mentoring, if it will, but I could still go back and help them uh, in other games. And this one, I could not. And making a new character, I don't think is the best option because if you don't get to play with them all the time, uh, like my real life buddy, he, he works during nights and weekends, his job, that's what he does. I work during the day. So 90% of the time I would be playing when he's at work and he'd be playing when I'm at work. If he's playing that character, other than the first day we decide to play together, we would lose progress with one another. So this, uh, player separation change i'm excited about that it's gonna be really cool all right and the last part of the news i wanted to talk about real quick is the craglorn adventure zone i know i mentioned it earlier but i we also have a post up on tales of doing a brief overview of the craglorn zone there was a video released by mmorpg.com that kind of went over some of the information about Craglorn that we know. And there was also a map leaked uh, from ESO Head, because they actually, ESO Head, data mined the map, as well as a couple of the dungeons in the zone. 
And if you guys look at this map, it is really cool. They are saying the zone is huge. I'm talking, they say roughly two to two thirds the size of an average normal questing zone. And if you look at Stonefields, for instance, Stonefields is huge. If that's the raid zone, that's going to be really cool. Um, they say it's geared towards groups of four players, and um, there are going to be public dungeons as well as way shrines and other landmarks and objectives, as well as what I'm gathering. They say trials. I'm assuming that's going to be the instance 12-man content that they're talking about. So I'm thinking this, this is going to be really cool, especially if there's a way of tracking as a group you know, like achievement wise kind of thing, our zone completion, that'd be a neat, a neat way of showing progression for a guild. Once the entire guild has a zone completion of the zone. What do you guys think about that? Um, it's going to be interesting. <clears throat> I'm really curious to see how, cause the zone itself is supposed to be, um, like a, like a raid, right? Like so the, like the zone itself has bosses in it. I think, and then off of that, there's actually instanced raids in the zone. So I'm really curious to see how it's actually going to work. Like maybe you have to, it would be kind of cool if you actually had to form a group to fight your way to the raid. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I imagine you would have to because they say in here that the adventure zones will increase the veteran level cap past 10. So one would assume you would need veteran level 10 even to get in. So you can do veteran level 10 by doing the veteran dungeons and stuff like that. But by saying veteran level 10, that pretty much tells me right off the bat that this is going to be very difficult content that you probably aren't going to be able to solo unless you seriously, you know, have a lot of veteran ranks, you know? Yeah, I we I definitely want more information on this system as a whole. And they're I wouldn't be surprised if they started revealing stuff this week because they said very soon. So, well, considering they only have till the third. Yeah, they only have three weeks. So. And they said it's coming in March. You got three <laughs> weeks to kind of tell us a little bit about this before we'll. Because I'm I'm gonna say this right now. I'm gonna call it. People are gonna be fifty within the head start. Easy. Mm-hmm. It, probably within the first three days. I don't I don't see that. People, people are already level fifty in the beta, and that's well, only a lot of those people have been in oh the beta. For about, a lot of people have been in the PTS for about a year, though. So I mean, right? But I mean, I've seen fifties in the not the PTS, the live beta. Oh, and they've only allowed us to keep our characters for the last two. Is it last two betas? They let us keep our characters. Every time after that, they wiped us. So within six days, essentially, people hit fifty. I that is that is wow to me because I think we only hit level I know I only hit I think level 10 and I know you went a little further than that but there was so much to explore and so much to do I, I I'm very excited for this adventure zone but it just makes me feel like I'm gonna need lots of friends to be able to complete something so epic and I I, I can't wait to see if this adventure zone is a, is is as interactable as the rest of the world. Will there still be things that you can pick up and and uh, like things that you can take and chests and are they still going to have 
all those elements in this advent in this adventure zone. Well, this is part of the thing I was talking about earlier with the crafting, getting those high level tempers and high level materials. They may only be oh, in God. adventure zones. Imagine if like one chest spawned a high level temper and it resets every like two hours. Oh my God. You'd have like eight hundred people around that thing constantly. <laughs> that would be so bad. <laughs> I'm not a good camper. Fifteen minutes into it, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm bored. I'm going to go take yeah, a nap," yeah. or and then I'd leave the zone. Right. Now, I really hope they don't do something like. I mean, interactable objects, yeah, but not that. I don't good. mind the chests because <laughs> the chests are. Well, here's the thing: even with the current chest, is there's fifty spawn locations, and anytime the timer's up for a chest, it will spawn at a random one of those 50 locations. So I don't think there, if there will be farmers, there will be people who stand around hoping for a chest to spawn. But if there's 50 locations for the chest to spawn and it's not going to be there every time, it doesn't sound beneficial just to stand there. Mm -hmm. You you could be standing there for four days before it happens to pop, you know? So I, I, I'm not really worried about that, especially with the randomness of chests. So, but yes, I'm very excited about this zone, and if they do it right, and as long as the content is hard and is you know requires coordination and skill, I think they got a winner here. I mean, it it looks really fun. And hey, so far, I mean, we got we got one friend, we got Krabby, so we almost have a full party. Oh, yeah. Almost have a full party. So we're, we're we need we're, one more friend, and then we we'll be complete. Going back to last week with the uh, here's the oh, key. With your friend. I sure hope I sure hope the two of you are tanking and healing because uh, you don't want me to heal. <laughs> I'm actually going to be making a healing templar. It's my first time really doing a dedicated healer, but I like the way healing is in this game, so I I, I enjoy it. If I have to go tank, I will, and I'm a really good tank. And wow, I'm a druid tank, and it's it's odd. I get into some parties, and people are like, but you're a female. How are you a tank? It's just, just let me do my job. I'm <laughs> awesome. And then they go, oh, wow, that's... Oh, okay. So if I have to tank in ESO, I will gladly tank. But this was going to be my first venture into pure DPS, because I've never done that before. But I'll, I'll switch it up if I have to. I don't mind. I will play the tank or the healer role. You guys go pew pew. I'll, I'll flux depending on who our fourth person is. We're good. We're all right. <laughs> okay. Um, anyone else have anything to say about these adventure zones before we move on? No? Okay. No, I'm good. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, we will definitely be covering these because this, this is a subject near and dear to my heart. Once more information comes out, trust me. Tales of Tamriel will be all over this because this is this is what I enjoy doing in games, raiding and that hard PVE content. So I will be over every little nugget of information they have on this. But if you are interested in looking at the map or looking at the brief overview I gave of the zone, you can see it over at talesoftamriel.com. All right, that is the end of our news for the week. We're going to move on to our discussion topic. And I decided for this week we're going to do something different for discussion. Um, if you've been following the buzz around the ESO community, there's a war going on right now. A war about add-ons being in the game. Now, 
from the announcement of this game, ZeniMax has stated that they would be allowing access to the API so people could mod the UI the way they wanted. With the NDA lifting on the PTS server, as well as the NDA for a lot of the API testers, we have seen a rise in the amount of add-ons being presented to the game. Um, and with the rise of all these add-ons coming out, there have been a very large cry from some sections of the community that the add-ons that people are creating are bad for the life of the game. Now, I'll do another shout out to TisoCast. They did a great interview with Atropos uh, in episode 44 of their podcast, and they talk a lot about add-ons, in particular one of the add-ons that Atropos himself created, um, and how they're going to work with the game. I encourage everyone to go listen to that episode if you haven't. It was a great episode. But with that being said, I wanted to, uh, to talk about, and I dubbed this episode, The Great Add-On War. And for all you lore nerds, you'll get the green. Okay. As I, um, the way I want to do this discussion is different from the way they did it. They talked about it. I'm actually, I wrote out a series of questions and I'm going to ask each question to the host. I'm just going to read up the questions and each of the hosts are going to be responding to the question, um, from this, you know, from the perspective of the add on naysayer. That's where the question is going to go on where I'm going to ask the question as if I thought add-ons were the worst thing in the world, and we'll each go around the table and respond to the questions. And at the end, we'll, you know, we'll go over any additional thoughts. But I, I really wanted to do this to be a little different from some of the other podcasts that are out there and to let us each express in turn how we feel when posed with these questions. So to start off, we'll go Krabby. Phase myself. Uh, first question is: Add-ons just should not be allowed in ESO. It ruins my immersion. It's not really a question, but it's a statement. How would you respond to that statement, Krabby? Uh, don't use add-ons. <laughs> it, it is that I've seen people say that, and that is the simplest answer: is don't use add-ons if it breaks your immersion. I, I have to com I mean um, I have to agree with Krabby on this. If it breaks your immersion, then just don't use it. There is nothing saying you have to use it. Now, personally, I don't see how it breaks your immersion, especially if you're playing in third-person view. Having a different UI is in no way going to affect you. So if if it's harming you this much, then just don't use it. I can understand where they're coming from. In particular, I'll talk about Atropus's mod, um, the tactical uh, combat add-on. Um, it allows you to see your health bars. It puts your health bars on the screen, your health, stamina, magicka, all your buffs. And it shows your target's buffs. And you can also have another one that shows the target of target. So you have a lot of health bars on your screen. Um not saying I'm against the add-on at all. In fact, I will actually probably be using this. So, have you have you used it? Actually, it's really I have awesome. Not, <laughs> I have not really used awesome. it in the last beta, but the next time I, I'm going to try it, it'll be very. I think it'll be very useful. But from the perspective of yes, it ruins my immersion. I could see that. I, I honestly, mm -hmm. and I'm going to put a request on there that 
there be an option to toggle it off when in first person view because in third person i don't mind but i would hate seeing all those bars in first person so i'm gonna email atropos and see if there's a way he can mod it so there's like a a function to turn it off when in first person because that would make me insanely happy just for my immersion play but honestly uh i'm with these guys if if you don't like using add-ons in your game don't do it uh Back in episode two, when we were talking to our guest host, Warren, he's an add-on just nut. He has, I think when we were looking, he has like over 200 add-ons in his game. I don't use them for a lot of them because they do. They ruin my immersion. If anything is at all lore-breaking, I won't use it. I am very subjective of my add-ons that change the way the game works now again this is from skyrim you're not going to see this kind of stuff in eso because it's all ui modding but if you don't want to see health bars you don't want to see stuff like that don't use it that's the easiest way to uh answer that question nothing requires you to use it and i mean all the content originally is being tested without add-ons like the development team generally don't use add-ons i know even the uh the Warcraft development team don't use like deadly boss mods when they test their raids, not internally. Now, when the public test realm happens, I'm sure people do, but again, just don't use it. All right, next question: Why is Zenimax only allowing us to mod the API? Where are my creation mods, Krabby? This one is is very simple <clears throat> because creation add-ons, like say. Say say you want to make a new follower just for conversation's sake and uh, have them follow you around in Elder Scrolls Online. Something like that would break the game, flat out break it. And it would require people to download content that you create. And it, it's an MMO. The, you, like flat out creation add-ons will give an advantage of some kind. And it's you're never going to see creation add-ons in this game ever. You will never see them in any real MMO ever. That being said, I wouldn't be surprised if a year from now they had some. Did, did have you either? You ever played Neverwinter? I have played Neverwinter. Yes. You know I the Foundry. Haven't. Yes, I do know the Foundry with the player created. Content. Yes, I, I wouldn't be surprised a year from now if they if Zenimax tried to create some sort of Foundry type thing. Basically, the Foundry in Neverwinter is. You can create your own like instanced area, like you can make your own dungeon, but you can't like you can't add like super overpowered items to it or anything like that. So I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they add something like that in game, but add-ons outside of game to create stuff, that's just not gonna happen. It would be it would be ridiculous if they did let it happen. I really hope they never allow any type of foundry, I think you just said, any type of that in the game. Because you have to keep in mind, this is an MMO. You should not be able to create anything outside of what the MMO aspect and the Elder Scrolls lore is. You, you shouldn't. Because it would be game-breaking. It wouldn't be fair to the MMO, to the other players. Modding your UI, that's, that's fine. You can play just fine without any type of those add-ons uh, you, you don't you don't need it creation add-ons no definitely not completely against it i'm actually gonna say first off um neverwinter is not an mmo 
I'm just I'm gonna say it. it's essentially a lobby game. It's the way Guild Wars One originally was, where you had the cities which were lobbies, but when you went into a different zone, it was an instance version of you. It's a lobby game. Um, so you could have things like the the creation because you could just you know oh you go to a gate and goes where dungeon do you want to go to and it just took you in. Um, so it works for games like that, which are lobby type games, but this is an open world. Second of all, um, creation add-ons, from my point of view, like I said, you can add a bunch of stuff that is overpowered or flat out breaks the lore, you know, and I would hate that's like, I don't even do it for my single player. Anything that breaks the lore, I won't do it. I will not play it because I love the lore of the Elder Scrolls and there's, I mean, Let's face it, there's people like uh, the Imperial Library, for instance. That's a website dedicated to just the books. And someone is paying to up maintain that site because they love the lore of this game. So anytime someone like... I, I think I saw a Batman add-on once that put Batman's armor in Skyrim. Looked really good from a modding point of view. I would <laughs> never do it. I think someone put the TARDIS from Doctor Who. or Yeah. In there, great just to show skill of the programmer, awesome, but I would never do it. Second of all, such as the foundry for um, Neverwinter, there is set lore in the game. There are places in the game that are already done. I cannot create a, a dungeon, if you will, and say it's the alien ru- ruin of, I don't know epicness because it didn't exist place it i could place it over the imperial city you know these places and have such a history todd howard for instance that you know pretty much the guy who created the whole game uh and his team they have set lore even zenimax who is not they are a sister company of bethesda have to work with bethesda to make sure that they don't change their lore they have a they have a person on staff who literally just checks the lore with bethesda that's his job he makes sure the lore does not break or go away from the game in in general because i can tell you if all of a sudden i found out there there were killer you know space robots or space monkeys in the game that would kill what i know elder scrolls for the past 20 some years so i definitely do not agree with creation add-ons and they like a like they said, in this type of MMO, because it's not built the way Neverwinter is with the lobby, there will never be creation add-ons in this game. They they won't. Not even Warcraft, who has been out for eight eight years now, and their add-on community is huge, has creation add-ons. Funny so, story. They, I um, I actually now I actually had gotten banned from Warcraft in Vanilla WoW because of I'll put in quotes an add-on that altered something in the game <clears throat> it was um I was a warlock so I had a void walker with me and I had an add-on that changed the graphic of him into Ragnaros and it would make everybody else's void walker turn into Ragnaros now I had gotten banned from that because that add-on actually changed the hitbox so when you start messing with hitboxes of particular things with add-ons, you can really mess with the game. So that's something else they would have to really be careful about. 
you know, if they did allow anything like that, which they won't. So, right. And we'll we'll talk about that in the next couple questions. Damn. Um, next question. This add-on gives uh, gives people an unfair advantage to those who do not use it. Again, it's a statement, but Krabby, what do you what would you respond to that person? Um, yes, it 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 will it will give it will give them an advantage, however slight. Let's face it: the more information in front of your face, the more you're going to know. If you use Foundry Tactical Combat, you're going to know how many hit points. Well, it now. Zenimax did say they were going to alter the API some before launch, so we don't know what's going to change. But as it stands right now, when you click on somebody or mouse over them, you're going to know how many hit points they have. You're going to know how much magicka they have, stamina. It's you know, it's one of the. It will give an advantage. It'll be a slight advantage, but it'll still be there. You you can't get around that. The more information you have in front of you, the more you will know. That's that's how it is. Mm-hmm. So. Whereas to the first question it was, don't use it, to the third statement it would be, well then use it. If you're upset that someone has an unfair advantage for this particular add-on, then what's stopping you from getting the add-on? If your computer and your internet is powerful enough to run this game, then you can obviously run this small add-on that you're complaining about someone else using because they can see how many hit points you have. There's there's nothing stopping you from getting this add-on, so you are right on par with that other person. So this this number three statement is just ridiculous. Ridiculous as it may seem, if you read some of the forums, this is exactly what people are saying. It, it seems stupid, but Krabby, you can confirm this. Have you seen Reddit or you've seen the Tam- Tamaro Foundry? This is what people are saying. And it, it does. It seems silly. It's but... it's like out of control. I don't. Mm-hmm. It, I, it just blows my mind a little bit. It does. And this is just one of those things. As as like I'm going to say, my answer is honestly, I don't like where it says this add-on gives people an unfair advantage. The key word here is unfair. It's not unfair because you could have it too. You choose not to get it. Yeah, that's true. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, I agree. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Advantage, I agree with. Absolutely. Um, going back to our rating days in Warcraft, if you didn't have deadly boss mods, you were at a massive disadvantage to people who had it. And it was noticeable. If you didn't have deadly boss mods, why the hell were you in this raid with these people? <laughs> it's like, why are you even here? You know? Mm-hmm. There, well, exactly. And later on, that's what it came out to be. But it was still not an unfair advantage because that person could have gotten it as well. Some people don't like using it. And you know what? I'm going to say this to people right now. This is going to happen. This will happen. This happens in every game. Looking for more for Craglorn Adventure Zone. Must have Foundry Tactical Combat. It's going to happen. There are going to be people who are like, you don't have DBM or this you're not going i was a raid leader and i was a hardcore raid leader i required dbm you did not have it you did not go people that i i'm the same way as you i want my raiders to have a specific thing so that all of us are on par with each other 
and so that we have the greatest advantage against whatever we're going up against. A person who wouldn't have this is at a considerable, a considerable disadvantage than everybody else on the team. They're not going to know near as much information that everybody else knows. And it's if, if this comes out and it doesn't mess with your game and it works perfectly, it, it should be something... I'm, I'm going to say should. I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to. This should be something that you have if you want to get the most out of your game. If you want to play the best that you can play, this is something that you're, you're going the one to have. I'm going to preface what she said was, I agree, but look at the people you're going to play with. The way I play may not be the way that, you know, Krabby likes to play. Should we play together? We should probably limit our experiences together if that's how it is. But there's different games. There's always that kind of find people who don't care if you have it. You know, there are going to be those people who are what I would call casual. Now, that's from me. I'm not saying you're casual. You could be more hardcore than I do. You just don't like add-ons. I like the numbers. I like to know this stuff. But you don't need to have these things. Find people who don't care. Find the people you... You wouldn't get along with me anyway if that were the case. If I was the type of player who required this, in all likelihood, our, the way we think would not mesh together. You wouldn't enjoy playing with me even if the add-ons weren't in the game. So, you know, don't get upset if people are going to be like, hey, I need you to have this. Find a different group. MMOs have thousands of players in it. You, you can find other people. Find like-minded individuals. Join their guild. Play with them. So that's, that's what I say about the unfair advantage. It's not unfair if you can get it as well. Okay. Moving on to question number four. Using add-on X, it allows people to cheat. Krabby, what do you think? Um, I feel like my answer for four and five are going to be the same exact thing. <clears throat> but um, honestly, uh, no, it will not let you cheat. Now, all right, this is something that's been that's been blowing my mind. I've been seeing on a lot of places. Oh, he uses tactical foundry, uh, foundry tactical combat, whatever the hell. And now he can interrupt me instantly because he knows what I'm casting and he doesn't have to press a button or blah, blah, blah. It's one of these things where these, the, the, these add-ons, they don't play the game for you. They don't do anything to the game. They display information. So mm -hmm. if somebody is cheating, what they're doing is they're getting an ex a third-party program, a, a bot, if you will, to do things when certain conditions are met in the game. Now, let, let's say um, I have a bot that whenever I see a cast bar on my target, it'll interrupt because Tactical Foundry Combat displays cast bars. You could blame the add-on for that, but it's really not the add-on's problem. It's, it, it's the player who used the bot. Mm -hmm. Anybody who uses bots to cheat will get banned. It's as simple as that. Play Warcraft. Everybody has enemy cast bars. If you use a bot to interrupt when you see it, you will get banned. It is no different in this game. That's add-ons don't let people cheat. They're just a tool for information. Anything else externally used to cheat, they're gonna get banned. That, that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I will read question five because we'll just mesh these two together. It says using add-on Y, people can use that to bot their players and have them auto-cast or do things. 
Ace, what, what do you say to that? I, again, I have to agree with Krabby. Anything that an, any add-on that's placed into the game that allows the player to hack will have them banned. Because add-ons are not meant to complete that. Like Krabby said, they're just meant to give you more information. Information that's already in the game, it just makes it more visible. Any any time where someone is cheating or hacking or botting, that is something that isn't allowed in any MMO. And those people will be dealt with. But a standard add-on is not going to allow somebody to cheat. And just because you have this add-on does not mean that it's automatically going to work. If you can see someone else's cast bar, you still have to be quick enough to interrupt them. Just because you see it, it doesn't automatically mean it's just going to be interrupted. You still have to be quick enough to do it on your own. And I don't think using especially the the Foundry tactical add-on, I can't think of the actual name, just because you're using that does not mean you're cheating. You're getting more information that you have to process and be quick enough to deal with that information. Yes, exactly. And for those, like, this type of add-on, the way way it works, the information is already there. The add-ons they have are only reading the game code that's already exist in the game. So, like you said, yes, people could use these, these, uh, these add-ons to bot. And actually, um, I know in TisoCast episode 44, Atropos was even saying there was a person on their forum who went on there and was telling them how they could cheat. They banned that user from the forums. Not because he was going against their add-on, but because he was telling people how to cheat. The thing is, these third-party macro programs and things of that nature, there are built-in countermeasures into the games. I forget what they're all called. It was... uh, uh, Warden, like Warcraft had a game called, or a program called Warden, that detected input from a third party program, and actually I remember in the early days when they first put it in I think there was a wave of bans that happened because it was picking up macro programs from keyboards and was banning people because of that. Yeah, now, I remember that. Yeah, they had to refine it a little bit but that's, that's how awesome some of these anti-hack things are if someone bots they're going to lose their account so i don't encourage you to do if you don't care about the game then why even why even spend the money to get it you know uh but you will you will lose your account if you are caught botting with a third-party program all these add-ons do is allow you to see information that was hidden in the ui it's still there and actually if you've been following the game for a long time this information was available uh, to view back in the very early builds. I think they even had uh, damage numbers in some of the early, early builds. Like you could, when you swung, you saw, oh, I did 10 damage. In the early builds, before they even included first person, they had that information displayed on the screen. It was only through feedback from players that they decided, okay, as a as a step forward we are going to hide this information by default and that's all they did they did not remove it from the game they hid it to make the game feel more elder scrolls even the single player games still have this mathematical algorithm when you swing your sword and you hit 
you did 10 damage. You did 20 damage. That's when you pick up a sword and it says damage equals 9. There is a factor that goes into that. It takes um, different mathematical points like your character level, the amount of hidden stats you have that affect um, that affect weapon damage. Uh, maybe it's health or stamina. I think in Skyrim, I think they just mixed in stamina. But some of the other games, it was like strength. There was a mathematical formula that said if you are this level with this amount of strength using a weapon with this amount of damage, this is the range of damage you get. And you got a random number generator going, this is the amount of damage. That's available in Skyrim. Hidden in the code, but it's there. So all this information is always there. It, they just chose to hide that information from players. But they wanted to make it available, which is awesome. They want to give players choice. One of the big things that Elder Scrolls players say about Elder Scrolls is what is the one thing about Elder Scrolls they like? Choice. Elder Scrolls makes you feel like you have choice. So to not give the people who want to see numbers that choice, technically, if you want to get really into it, goes against the Elder Scrolls mythos altogether of giving the player choice. All right, moving on to the last question we have here. Add-on creators are making add-ons that are breaking the game. Krabby? What do you um, say? No, they're not. I mean, it's it's very simple to not. I mean, if you feel like an add-on that you're using breaks the game, stop using it. I, I feel like it's kind of like the immersion question or the other two questions we just answered. It's just, it's just like, they're just not... If they break the game, then ZeniMax mm-hmm. will catch up on it. Right. When people make add-ons, there is a list of information that add-ons... That's what an API is. It's a list of information that add-ons are allowed to pull and use. And there's also a list of information that they're not allowed to use. So if, you know, if an add-on grabs something it's not supposed to, but it's in the allowed list, then ZeniMax will notice it. And then they'll block it, for example. I just, I don't, they don't. And if they do, they'll get fixed. You know, it's like that. Any add-on that I've ever had that in some way broke something or it messed with other add-ons that you had or your your UI was messed up. Anybody who makes these add-ons usually have comments and you can write down the problem that you had and they will do their best to fix the add-on so it no longer breaks the game. So there are some add-ons that may just have an adverse effect, but they will try their best to fix it. But it's it's not something that's just going to crash all the servers to to rubble, and it's not going to break the game. And this person is is you know as before, this person is cheating, and this person has an advantage, and this person is this, and this person's doing that. That won't happen. Add-ons, if it's actually breaking something, it'll get fixed. If you're just complaining because you're not as good as player X or Y, then that's your problem, not the add-ons. Right. And, and you know, like she was saying there, I want to comment on breaking the game. Like, if an add-on has problems, it's not going to break, like, the entire game. Uh, there are add-ons that have problems, and that's bad code. But I think when um, the player, or what the question is asking, is breaking the game as in... Um, it, it's going against what the game was designed to do. 
I understand that. I was going with more of a oh. literal approach since oh, I already I'm... talked about the other kind of breaking. So, Right. And, and I wasn't saying that against you. That's a good thing to point out. I was saying this. Some people, like, you guys may be asking these questions. They see, A lot of them kind of seem to ask the same thing. I pulled these from a forum. I went through a forum. These were actually taken from uh, uh, various forums, uh, Reddit, from Tamro Foundry, from Tisoli, all these different places that were complaining about it. I pulled these from actual people. These were things they were saying. That's why I picked these questions. These were not made up by me. These are things people are saying. This makes me not want to see these people in my ESO game. It just makes me sad. Well, there's, Honestly, there's no nameplates, so you'll probably never see them anyway. <laughs> Unless you get an add-on for that. Thing. No, you can't. That's what Oh, they cannot... hide that information. Yes, they, nice. they hide the nameplate information. You cannot even add that uh, mod that into the game. Very nice. I think a lot of this, and I'm not going to say anything about these people, because you know what? From They may be new to the game. They may be new to MMOs. I think this all comes from ignorance. Ignorance in not knowing what is allowed and what isn't. When people see something change, if they don't know, I, I won't say it's not their fault. I mean, it's understandable. They just don't know, and it's a knee-jerk reaction of this is breaking the game. This is not right. It's their fault they didn't educate themselves, but you know what? That's what we're here for as part of the community. Tales of Tamriel is a community podcast and we are here to help you guys understand what's going on. That's why I wanted to do this in this manner. The add-ons that are being made, like like Krabby said, like they said, the API is being released by the developers. Developers know what information they're giving the 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 add-on makers, the creators. This is information that their team went I'm fine with that if that's viewable, you know? Like the nameplates, for instance. That's not, they will not allow you to see that, and that's not in the game. That was a choice that developers, like, it's in the game. It's part of the code, but they will not release that in the API for players because they, they decided that's not what we want for the game. So when you see these add-ons that people have, such as the tactical combat one, this is stuff that is permissible in the game. This is stuff that was originally in the API and that people that was released by Zenimax dev team. That's why people are using it. If people are using it to bot, they are not using the API. The API literally is just code and information of things you can see. There's no injection code saying, okay, if you do this, it, it, it will allow you to you know, auto do this. People are using macro programs to bot, and they will get banned. That's why we wanted to talk about this tonight, was we wanted people to understand where ZeniMax is coming with the API and what creators are, of these add-ons are actually doing to try to disperse some of the questions, if you will, or statements that I did pull from various forms so these are things people are saying these were not just pulled out of my bum these are actual comments on forums so that's why i pulled them out all right anyone else have anything to say about the great add-on war if you will anything about add-ons uh, i i can't think of anything right now except to add in that i feed on people's tears 
That's why I'm always very honest. You and don't real. mean you have to add on? <laughs> I see what you did there. I am hilarious. Oh, wow. Awesome. Bad joke. We're one for the night. All right. All right. We're going to move on to my favorite part of the entire show The Tales of Tamriel. Um, I did not check with my hosts before this, and I should have. Does anyone have any anything they want to talk about tonight? If not, I have quite a bit. Uh, I, I actually, I actually do not. Uh, I didn't plan to say anything, and I don't have anything written down, and I don't have a story, and that makes me really sad. But I do not. When the next beta comes around, I will definitely have stories, though. Yeah, I, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to play anything this week because the South Park game came out. <laughs> and, you know, I probably shouldn't really talk about that on this show since it's a family-friendly show. But I will say that there is a lot of Skyrim references in South Park. Like <laughs> All right, we'll give you a half a point for that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have anything. That's fine. I, I always have something because I'm always playing. It's part of the show. Um, I have something Zelda related, but... No, stop it. <laughs> Zelda is no. an awesome game. No, I will mute you and kick you from the call. You Yeah, but then I'll just sit over there and talk through your mic because you're within arm's reach. So even that will work against you. Hmm. Anyway, it, it's fine because I do know that a lot of us are kind of chopping at the bit here because like we talked three weeks ESO is coming out so there it is it's kind of hard to get back into older games when we just got done with an ESO bait and we're just like we just want to play ESO I understand that's fine um but I do actually I I have a little story of my Skyrim playthrough again I went through on legendary a still I'm still working on it and it is very difficult. <laughs> um, it's starting to get a little better now because I I am level twenty eight I think. Last time I looked, so my art my uh, my archery is around seventy. My one handed sword is seventy two seventy three. So I'm doing more damage now. It, it's it's definitely helping. My enchanting is still low. My blacksmithing is low, and my heavy armor is only like thirty eight. So. I am a I am a glass cannon in every sense of the word. If I can get up close, I will tear through people. Um, still not as fast as on normal and if I didn't have Lydia and Hottie to help me out in every turn because I'm still doing conjuration, I still have Lydia with me every three seconds, I would probably die. I really would. I still cannot take hits because of how low my armor is. Um, but it is getting a little easier to kill things. I actually am heading down to Fulcreath because the main goal that I have now is I want to get into Hearthfire and build my house down there because my house in Breezeholm up in Whiterun is getting a little too small for all the junk that I have. And I really just want to start building down there. So I started making my way south to Falkreath, and this is where I was left off last week, uh, with the man and the painted cow. Now, I kept following down that road, and I have no idea what happened, but as I'm walking down the road, I veer off the road right about where the first Mundus stone is, the, the warrior, the mage, and the thief. 
I, I get off the road and I follow along the river. And as I'm coming around the corner and reconnecting with the road, I apparently really ticked off two Vigilants of Stendar. I don't know how. They just started attacking me. They're supposed to be friendly NPCs. Honestly, I think I may have attacked one of them way long ago, like way over by um, the East Watchtower in Whiterun. Do this you have any Daedric items? Do I have any Daedric? I don't know. I don't because think... if you have a single Daedric artifact, it'll attack you. Really? Yeah. It's kind of cool, actually. I actually never knew that. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if you have like a Daedric, you know, you know, something like Mafat, like the like the blade or whatever from mm-hmm. Whiterun or whatever, will just attack you. Usually, they'll give you a speech first, but they'll attack you. I'm gonna have to try that from now on, just because that's really cool. If I can find any of them, I actually had to kill them. They give you a speech for you're holding a Daedric item. I think I'm going to attack you now, and then uh, they ba- just that, rip your face basically- off. That's basically what they say. Well, they are kind of against everything um, Daedra and undead. So, you know, uh, I guess that would make sense. I don't think I was carrying it because I've been saving all the Daedric quest because of, you know, they level. They all level and they have a hard cap. I think it's at 40, 46, I think. I think. Anyway. Um if you get them before that, there'll be lower level. If you want the highest level version, you have to wait. Excuse me. So I I don't think I had anything. Not that I know of. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I don't think I had anything. But anyway, I, I really ticked them off. And they are a bugger to kill. Because they, they have restoration magic. They are quintessential holy warriors templars and eso are paladins because they you know they have their weapons their melee weapons and they use restoration magic to heal themselves and they are really tough to kill because every time they try to get low they um they heal themselves and they both used maces which i don't know if it's something specific about maces but they seem to stun me very often. Like they, they'll do a power attack, and a sword will only take a lot of damage. These things kind of knock me over. Um, so I was kind of on my knees a lot that fight because they just kept knocking me over. Anyway, I sadly had to kill them, and I stripped their bodies naked, naturally. But because they were Vigilance of Standar, and I do tend to play a Holy Warrior-type character in every game I play... I couldn't let these holy men just lay there. So I picked them up and I carried them over to the lake and I put them in the water and let them wash downstream. Just kind of gave them a water burial. Jesus. Um, I, I'm a holy warrior. I'm kind of The only reason why I attacked them is because they attacked me first. Yeah, but that's kind of morbid. You just drag their bodies and kick them into a river. That's uh, I sad. Gingerly, gingerly put them into the river. I didn't kick them. They need. I couldn't let them out there to, to rot and be desecrated by wild animals. So I did the honorable thing. I didn't have a shovel. I had a pickaxe, but I didn't have a shovel, so I couldn't bury them. And that's not allowed in the game anyway. But even if it was for roleplay reasons, I didn't have a shovel. And have you ever tried to dig with a pickaxe? It is very difficult. You 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 just break up the dirt with it. Glad so, you know from experience. All right, continue. I had to use a 
pickaxe before to dig out a um we have very rocky soil next to our house in real life i don't know why i'm bringing it in but it's kind of neat and we, because of the rocky soil we actually had to use the pickaxe to break up the dirt and then we were able to dig it out otherwise it was too hard we were hitting rocks and it was a mess anyway off topic but that's how i know about pickaxes after burying them i kept going north to where the house is and there is a small a small uh house there called pine watch and if anyone's not been in there before it's got a neat little neat little story when i opened the door it was locked by the way there's no one ever there that i've noticed like it always seems like it's abandoned but when you go inside there's food and there's everything in there people are using it and when you go inside it seems empty but you hear someone down in the basement and there are bandits occupying pine watch when you go down in the basement of the house you can kill the one bandit and if you look around there's actually a hidden button on the wall that when you hit the button the the uh the bookcase opens up and reveals a passageway down into a cave system. Bandits have been using this pine watch to like terrorize the Fall Creek countryside. Cause there's just because it's a hidden area. Um, I actually fought my way through the tunnels and came to near the end. I found a few skill books, which was kind of cool. There were like three or four in there. It was amazing. And because of where my level is, when I got to the chieftain, she was wearing the the Nord heavy armor that came with, uh, I think that came with Dragon, not Dragonborn, the, uh, no, the Dawnguard expansion. Uh, I think that's where it came in. So I got a whole, I got two pieces of armor. I think it was the chest and boots of the Nord armor. And I adore the Nord heavy armor. Uh, have you guys seen that in game? Are you talking about the carved, the Nordic carved set? No, no. I think the Nordic carved set you find from some of the Draugr. No, the Nordic heavy is the <clears throat> the one that has it. What looks like a uh, an eagle head on the shoulders, and when you have the helm on, it's a bear helm. Oh yeah, I thought that was the carved, the Nordic carved. No. Well, well, yeah. No, that set of arms is awesome. I love that set. Yeah, I, it's it's all like. It's silver or white looking with like big dark fur. Love that set. So it's kind of my mission in the game right now to find the entire set because I adore it. Um, so I get through there uh, and I start making my way back down to Full Creek. But by this point in time, I'm almost full on all my stuff. I'm out of arrows because... I, I used them all, and I have no health potions or magic potions. I am pretty much dead in the water. And wouldn't you know it, when I step out there, I stumble upon every single bandit outpost. Like, I was walking along, just minding my own business, and there's a tent with, like, four bandits in it. And they are wrecking my day. And I'm like, I, I can't pick up anything. I'm kind of almost overburdened. I just started booking it. And as I'm running... They are following after me and Lydia. What do you know? I found a watchtower with more bandits. I can just see you're running through the countryside with this line of bandits chasing after you. Hottie's tossing fireballs and like Lydia's running with her hands in the air. 
Pretty much. I, I had enough time to summon Hottie at the very top of the mountain. She got obliterated. I knew I was in over my head when she went down in like three seconds. I'm like, oh, dear. Lydia was doing her best, but I was watching her health drop. I actually had to start using healing hands to heal her to keep her alive. Because she had all the aggro of these guys. After she wasn't doing much damage, and if I stopped healing her, her health was dropping too much. I'm like, this ain't gonna. I I I can't help kill them, and they're not really dying. Um, I'll be out of mana way before these guys are dead. So we started moving, and that's when we found the second group as well. And they start. It really was. It was bad. They followed me all the way to Falkirk. The only thing that saved me was when I got to Falkreath, the guards started helping. There were that many. There had to be six or seven bandits of varying kinds, you know, bandit pathfinders, stuff like that, all sitting there attacking. It, it was like a war at Falkreath with so many bandits. I don't. I didn't even think they had a, uh, a leash that long. For anyone who doesn't know what a leash is, it's a line of code where a monster will follow you for a certain period of time and then they reach the end of their leash and go back home. These guys seem to go forever. Like, they followed me all the way from Pine Watch all the way into Falkreath, which it's, seems close on the map, but it's it's a distance run. It's farther than I thought it would take. Um, so, after we kill them, I, of course, looted their bodies. They, they didn't get a... Uh, a hero's burial. They got stripped naked and left bare in the sun. And I was overburdened at this point, but I didn't care. I, I was selling their stuff. I walk very slowly over. I unload everything I could off Lydia and myself. And I accepted a few jobs throughout Falkreath. I accepted the quest to find the dog because the guard asked me pretty much right before the bandits got there if I had seen a dog on the road. Uh, that's a Daedric quest. Um, I accepted it, but I didn't go after it. I went through and I found the Priest of Arkay and found another Daedric quest with Sin or Sinding, finding out about the... You walk up to the cemetery and there's a funeral going on. And you can sit there and listen to the funeral, but when you're done, you can talk to the parents. And one of the options is, you know, who died? And they talk about their 10-year-old little girl who was killed. And when you ask who killed her, they're like Sin this guy named Sinding, who was he came to Fall Creek as a day laborer. He seemed like a decent enough guy, but he tore her apart. They're like, we couldn't even find enough pieces to bury her. Like we barely had enough to bury her. It was very sad. And he says, if you have the guts to go look at this, you know, piece of garbage, he's rotting in the uh Fall Creek prison. And um you know, you can go talk to him. So I accepted that, and I talked to the priest of RK, and he wanted me to go find uh, his journal. Um, and I, he also trained me in conjuration. I, I paid him for his services because I need to get Hottie up there. She needs to be a little bit more powerful since I rely on her so much. <laughs> um, so I, I'm walking around town a little bit more, and I end up at the long hall where the Jarl Sigar is. This guy is pretty much as dirty as it comes you could just tell he asked me to clear out a, a hold of bandits and when you ask why he's like well i had dealings with them and let's just say 
they are no longer giving me the cut that I deserve. So he was pretty much turning the blind eye, doing the dirty cop thing, turning the blind eye to their activities as long as he got a cut in on it. Well, now they stopped giving him a cut, and now he wants them dead. Being a paladin, in reality, I really should turn this guy down, but I really want that house. So I accept it, and I know he won't let me do anything unless I help him with this. So I make my way kind of north, northwest towards, it's called Beilu Mine. That's where it's at. Along the way, I clear out a glade, which had like five different uh, spriggans in it. That was a fight by itself, because not only did I have to fight the five spriggans, but they started turning the, uh, the animals around against me. So I had to fight like two elk, a fox, and a bear. I mean, I summoned Hottie like four times to try to help us out. Me and Lydia are just tearing through these guys. And after I clear that out, I actually notice they're by a lake. If you guys haven't been there, there is a body in the water. And now this is really cool. Um, he's, he's just called Alchemist. And when you loot him, you can lose body, not much on him. There's a lot of Nern root around the area, and there's a book that was sitting on the altar, and it was Man and Marco, the King of Worms. You got? Does that ring a bell to either of you? Oh yeah, the guy that caused um, Elder Scrolls Online to happen. Yeah, <laughs> Man and Marco was the neck, one of the first necromancers. I wouldn't say the first because necromancer was there for a while, but he was part of the on what is the Isle of Arteum. He was part of the first, the Sigic Order, but be, I believe it's part of the Sigic Order, so correct me if I'm wrong here. But him and his friend were studying, and he wanted to study necromancy, but the Order forbade him to do it because the Sigic Order, had it, they followed the old Aldmer, not Altmer, Aldmer, the original progenitor of all elven races, their religion was ancestor worship. Kind of similar to the Dunmer now, because Dunmer worship ancestors, but they also worship Daedra. The Aldmer originally only worshipped their ancestors, believing that they were nothing more than degenerated forms of, of, the, of the original spirits, the divines, and that lost their divinity. So the resurrection of the dead was taboo for them, because that's... that's blasphemy that is against their religion completely it's an anathema i love that word anathema <laughs> um so mana marco left the sigic order and wanted to study necromancy his friend also left and founded the first mages guild because the sigic order did not accept um people outside their culture so he wanted to give magic to the rest of the world. So that's where they those two formed off. But yeah, he's one of the main antagonists of Elder Scrolls Online is Mana Marco, the King of Worms. He is currently advising um, the Thorn family in the, in the uh, Imperial City at the start of Elder Scrolls Online. So finding his book that talked about him a thousand years later was really neat. But there is a little neat thing about this alchemist is if you follow the stream north, you can find a little camp. And in the little camp, it's deserted, 
but you can find his journal and he talks about the ritual spot where he died that he was going to go to the glade to perform some sort of <clears throat> ritual down there and that he would be back by nightfall as his personal journal but he died by the spriggans because he didn't realize that the spriggans had taken hold in that area just a really cool really cool quest and it it didn't even tie to it but if i just found it by mistake and i realized this stream leads right down to the glade where he was and it was his journal talking about the glade and how he was going to perform a ritual there so after finding that little neat thing i actually went over and took out the bandits at knife point ridge which i actually mistakenly thought was the quest from the jarl but it was actually a bounty quest from his steward because i accepted a bounty quest to kill bandits and i didn't really pay attention um, I made it about halfway back to Fulcreef before I realized my quest hadn't updated for the Jarl, so I had to turn back around and go into the, the mine again. Um, but I did manage to kill the bandit leader in the mine, and he happened to have a helm and an extra pair of boots for my heavy Nordic armor. So I put the helm and I gave the boots to, uh, to Lydia. Um, so that was really cool, and I made my way back to Fulcreath and, and sold all my stuff, um, and that's actually where I left off. I didn't even turn in any quest yet, but that's where I left off for my story in, in Skyrim for this night. So I'm actually sad that I never got a chance to use the, the, the companions, the, um, the person that follows you around. Yeah, companions. Okay. Because I'm I'm always the archer pew pew type, I always wind up n they always wind up not being able to be in battle because I hide and then I pew pew and then I hide and then I pew pew, so I never get a chance to use them and I'm not an up close fighter, so uh, and hearing your stories I always feel like I'm missing part of the adventure because I don't have that 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 quote unquote fake person traveling with me. It's always just it's always just me. I am the sneak thief. Hey, in Elder Scrolls Online, you'll have me. I'll be your companion. So we'll you'll get to have that experience. Awesome. Does that mean I can unload all my crap onto your back and you can be like a mule? <laughs> That's actually what I was going to say. The best part about companions in Skyrim is the fact they're pack mules. Um, oh, um... Did you, now you said that getting getting the house in Falkreath didn't feel very paladin-ish because you know the Jarl's just a not so clean guy. Scum of the earth. Yes, <clears throat> you, exactly. you know that there's two other housing locations, right? There are there are two other housing, but I just like because, the aesthetics. Of yeah, that no, one no. I was fun. I was I was thinking I was like the one in Dawnstar feels more paladin-y because you have to like vanquish the nightmares that are covering Dawnstar and stuff like that. Right. And the one in Morthal is actually pretty much going to tie into the next section, which is kind of neat. Um, Cause the, the book that we're going to talk about in our, in our dramatic reading is a book that was written and you actually meet the character in the book in Skyrim. And I'll, after we're finished reading it, I will, uh, explain where um but yeah i, I know I, I had the quest those two up there but the one where you have to go to dawn star it's literally right north of white run and i just 
it doesn't look very cool. Really? I, I, yeah, I like it because it's like on a hill, and I can I like the fact I can I can see white. <laughs> it, it's neat, but it's in that weird transition zone between yeah. the icy north of Winterhold and the 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 yellow fields of White Run, and the other one, to be honest, Morthal is just like a pile. Like, ugh, I don't well, even... it's a swamp. It's a ball. Yeah. Like the nice part see, is that's you... the one that I like the most. Is the one in the swamp. I hate that one. I've, I've never actually gotten that one before. The nice part is from the house you can look up and you can see Solitude, which is like my favorite city in, in Skyrim. I cannot wait till they unlock that in ESO so I can visit Solitude. I love the Solitude house, but I like the conveniency of being able to teleport right to your house. Mm. So I, I was never able to completely finish the Solitude house because it's just... It's right in this city, and that Jarl is just stupid. She makes me so mad. So I never finished that house. But the house in that swampy area, I don't know why. I just, I like the fog, and I like how you can see the Nern root glowing. And, and I just, it's my favorite house. Well, see, the thing is, it's, it is part of that... Um the swamp when you get near it you realize you're in a swamp but where your hat doesn't look too bad because you're near the ocean as well i have used that one that's like my second favorite house i love water that's why um i prefer those two houses but i just like the the heavy thick pine forest of Falkreath. that's why i i wanted that house um but you know to be 100 percent honest I'm not using teleport, so there's no real advantage. It's actually less of a disadvantage to have the houses there because of how far out of the way you have to go to get to them. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I want to rebuild my library. That's the one thing I do in every game is I always build. I can't get away from not building the library edition because I collect every book in the game. I have an add on that glows the books if i don't have if i don't have them so i it's sad but i will actually go into there and hold the books and i will load them in i will put them all in the chest i will take them all back out and i'll start at the top of the tower and do it all in alphabetical order if i get a new book i pick up every book in my thing put it back in the chest pull it back out and redo it because all my books have to be in alphabetical order I, I'm just as bad as you are. I'll collect every journal, every piece of paper, everything that I find. And on smaller bookshelves, I'll have journals, uh, notes, pieces of paper, or sometimes, especially in the library tower, you have that small chest. So my pieces of paper will be in that chest, and then the small bookshelf next to it will have all my small journals. And then I, I don't do it by alphabetical order. I like my bookshelves to look varied almost like they're real and they're used so i'll do small book medium book large book medium book i just i like my bookshelves to have that aspect of realism which is strange because it's a game but i still like to build my library as if i'm living in that house yeah i i guess i mean i don't know just the way they're laid out they're very convenient um but yeah i do like the solitude house maybe i might just forego the Yarl and and go in by the solitude house and see what I can do. It's a gorgeous house. Once you get it all completely furnished and finished, it's oh, it's it's beautiful. 
I really like the house in Markarth as well, just because I love the Dwemer. And it was originally a Dwemer city. That makes me so sad, because I like the house in Markarth too, but I would never own it. Because that city is just garbage and scary, <laughs> and I, I'll... I'll never, I would never own that house. I would be terrified that I would be killed in my sleep and then I'd be eaten by cannibals. There'd be no way. I couldn't do it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I still like the house. All right. It's that time again. It's Thais' favorite time. Time for the dramatic reading of a book from the Elder Scrolls universe. Now, as I was saying earlier, we're going to expand on the theme from last week. No, we're not going to add any more Brooklyn mob voices into our stories. Aww. <laughs> we joked about this last week, and we decided we're going to give it a shot and see how it goes. This week, we have chosen the book Immortal Blood, a tale about a vampire hunter who likes to surprise his enemies by striking the first blow. Nothing seems to take him by surprise. Well, almost. However, this week... I will be joining Thais by doing the voice of Movarth Pequin. Pequin? Is that it? Pequin. Pequin, sorry. For her reading. So, let's see how this goes. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't go terrible. Oh, and boy. I present Thais as she reads Immortal Blood. The moons and stars were hidden from a sight, making the particular quiet night especially dark. The town guard had to carry torches to make the rounds, but the man who came to call at my chapel carried no light with him. I came to learn that Movarth Pequeen could see in the dark almost as well as the light, an excellent talent, considering his interests were exclusively nocturnal. One of my acolytes brought him to me, and from the look of him, I at first thought he was in need of healing. He was pale to the point of opalescence, with a face that looked like it had once been very handsome, before some unspeakable suffering. The dark circles under his eyes bespoke exhaustion, but the eyes themselves were alert, intense, almost insane. He quickly dismissed my notion that he himself was ill, though he did want to discuss a specific disease. Vampirism, he said, and then paused at my quizzical look. I was told that you were someone I should seek out for help in understanding it. Who told you that? I asked with a smile. Tessina Gray. I immediately remembered her, a brave, beautiful knight who had needed my assistance, separating fact from fiction on the subject of the vampire. It had been two years, and I had never heard whether my advice had proved effective. You've spoken to her? How is her ladyship? I asked. Dead. Movarth replied coldly, and then, responding to my shock, he added to perhaps soften the blow. She said your advice was invaluable, at least for the one vampire. When I last talked to her, she was tracking another. It killed her. Then the advice I gave her was not enough, I sighed. Why do you think it would be enough for you? I was a teacher once myself, years ago. Not in a university, a trainer in the Fighters Guild. But I know that if a student doesn't ask the right questions, the teacher cannot be responsible for his failure. I intend to ask the right questions. And that he did. For hours, he asked questions and I answered what I could. 
but he never volunteered any information about himself. He never smiled. He only studied me with those intense eyes of his, committing every word I said to memory. Finally, I turned the questioning around. You said you were a trainer at the Fighters Guild. Are you on an assignment for them? No, he said curtly, and finally I could detect some weariness in those feverish eyes of his. Um, I, I would like to continue this tomorrow night, if I could. I need to get some sleep and absorb this. You sleep, you sleep during the day, I smiled. To my surprise, he returned the smile, though it was more of a grimace. When you track your prey, you adapt their habits. The next day, he did return with more questions. These ones very specific. He wanted to know about the vampires of Eastern Skyrim. I told him about the most powerful tribe, the Volkahar, paranoid and cruel, whose very breath could freeze their victims' blood in the veins. I explained to him how they lived beneath the ice of remote and haunted lakes, never venturing into the world of men except to feed. Movarth the Quinn listened carefully and asked more questions into the night until at last he was ready to leave. I will not see you for a few days, but I will return and tell you how helpful your information has been. True to his word, the man returned to my chapel shortly after midnight, four days later. There was a fresh scar on his cheek, but he was smiling that grim but satisfied smile of his. Your advice helped me very much, but you should know that the Volca here have an additional ability you did not mention. They can reach through the ice of their lakes without breaking it. It's quite a nasty surprise being grabbed from below without any warning. How remarkable, I said with a laugh, and terrifying. You're lucky you survived. <laughs> I don't believe in luck. I believe in knowledge and training. Your information helped me, and my skill at melee combat sealed the bloodsucker's fate. I've never believed in weaponry of any kind. Too many unknowns. Even the best swordsmith has created a flawed blade, but you know what your body is capable of. I know I can land a thousand blows without losing my balance, provided I get the first strike. The first strike, I murmured, so you must never be surprised. That is why I came to you. You know more than anyone alive about these monsters and all their cursed varieties across the land. Now. You must tell me about the vampires of Northern Valenwood. I did as he asked, and once again, his questions taxed my knowledge. There were many tribes to cover. The Bonsamu, who are indistinguishable from Bosmer except, that, except when seen by candlelight. The Kirlith, who could disintegrate into mist. The Yekif, who swallowed men whole. The Dread Telboth, who preyed on children eventually taking their place in the family, waiting patiently for years before murdering them all in their unnatural hunger. Once again, he bade me farewell, promising to return in a few weeks, and once again, he returned as he said, just after midnight. This time, Movarth had no fresh scars, but he again had new information. You were wrong about the Carolith being unable to vaporize when pushed underwater he said, patting my shoulder fondly. Fortunately, they cannot travel far in their mist form and I was able to track it down. It must have surprised it fearfully, 
Your field knowledge is becoming impressive, I said. I should have had an acolyte like you decades ago. Now tell me of the vampires of Cyrodiil. I told him what I could. There was but one tribe in Cyrodiil, a powerful clan who had oust all other competitors, much like the Imperials themselves had done. Their true name was unknown, lost in history, but they were experts at concealment. If they kept themselves well-fed, they were indistinguishable from living persons. They were cultured, more civilized than the vampires of the provinces, preferring to feed on victims while they were asleep, unaware. They will be difficult to surprise, Movarth frowned. But I will seek one out, and I will tell you what I learned. And then you will tell me of the vampires of High Rock and Hammerfell and elsewhere and Black Marsh and Morrowind and the Somerset Isles, yes? I nodded, knowing then that this was a man on an eternal quest. He wouldn't be satisfied with but the barest hint of how things were. He needed to know it all. He did not return for a month, and on the night that he did, I could see his frustration and despair, though there were no lights burning in my chapel. I failed, he said as I lit a candle. You were right. I, I could not find a single one. I brought the light up to my face and smiled. He was surprised, even stunned by the pallor of my flesh, the dark hunger in my ageless eyes, and the teeth. Oh yes, I think the teeth definitely surprised the man who could not afford to be surprised. I haven't fed in 72 hours, I explained as I fell on him. He did not land the first blow or the last. And that was immortal blood. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I like that. <laughs> that was a good story, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we wanted to do that. We were talking about that last week, doing a, a story that had multiple voices that we would work at it together. And that was our first attempt at that. I think I had a lot of fun doing that. I, at the end of a story, when I know that the person has to be deviant for some per, for some reason, I try and be deviant towards the last two paragraphs. But I don't do deviant female as well as I do, you know, Boston mob thug, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed that story. So we'll see what we come up with ne next week. Let us know if, you, uh, if anyone liked that. All right. We are going to move on to our community spotlight for this week. And I have actually asked Krabby to showcase someone that we have briefly mentioned on this show in the last episode. Um, I've asked Krabby to take the reins on this one as he knows this individual more than I do. So Krabby, take it away with this week's community spotlight. Uh, yeah, this week um, I wanted to mention a Twitch streamer that I've been watching, gosh, since uh, probably November. It's... um. His page is twitch.tv slash mendable, M-E-N-D-A-B-U-L-L. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, yeah, no, I wanted to mention him because um, he streams Skyrim literally about five days a week. And, uh, you know, it's really fun watching him because he does random builds and he, he pulls the people watching his stream what they want him to do. Um on Saturday and Sundays, we'll stream a random game just to break the monotony of Skyrim. Um, I know when Elder Scrolls Online comes out, he'll be uh, <clears throat> he'll be streaming that from early access on. 
and I'm pretty sure ESO is going to replace his Skyrim stream, so he'll, he'll probably be streaming ESO around five days a week again when it launches. Um, yeah, I mean, he's also making a guild for the stream, which is, I think, is either going to be Ebonheart Pact or Daggerfall. I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean, if anyone's interested in, you know, check him out. He's a, he's a really great guy, and he's, uh, you know, he's not like these other streamers where that are really vulgar all the time or really awkward to watch. He's really he's really fun. But um, yeah, twitch.tv slash mendable. Really fun. You know, join the guild over there and everything. It's going to be a good time. Awesome. That's uh, when you're telling me about him. I, I wanted to showcase him um, because I think do you did you not say that you also moderate his stream? Uh, yeah, I moderate his chat channel whenever whenever he's streaming and I'm, I'm available. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's that's awesome. So I'm really glad that we we're able to showcase uh, Mandible. And thank you for being an awesome part of the Elder Scrolls community. And we're looking forward to when ESO comes out to see you streaming that game. So I may actually have a chance to follow a stream when I'm at work because, you know, I don't work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to move on to the email section and, and uh, player feedback um, of our show. This week on TalesOfTamriel.com, we actually had a couple comments. Uh, we had two from Major Meerkat. I love the name, by the way. Um, he asked us, when will the next episode be out? Is it a weekly update or do you just update when something notable happens? I responded back to Major Meerkat saying that this is indeed a weekly podcast and that if you look back at our previous podcast, it's every week. We do plan on doing this weekly. Um, real life happens. If anything happens, I will definitely post on Twitter and uh, on the main website that we will have to cancel show. I doubt that will have to happen often, maybe during holidays and stuff like that. We may not have shows, but during normal times, it'll be a weekly podcast. And the big thing is about this show is we, we technically don't need news because the whole demand or uh, dynamic of the show is the tales section where we get to tell our stories about Elder Scrolls Online. And when it comes out and we're all playing it, we'll have much longer Tales sections. And even if there's no news and it's a short podcast, we will at least go on and talk about Elder Scrolls Online. So we're we're not really just here for when there's big news. We are a weekly podcast. So um, we do record on Sundays. Uh, we don't record live yet. That may change in the future. I haven't decided yet. Um, but as of now, it, it's all... It's all private recording, and I edit it, and we have it out available on Mondays. Always on Mondays. I think I missed one week because of something or another. I forget. Um, but yes, every Monday, you'll get to look forward to an episode. And Major Meerkat responded going, okay, awesome. Thanks for response. I might start looking forward to Mondays now. <laughs> That's yes. All right. Next up, uh, we actually got a counter shout out on TisoCast on uh, their last episode because we responded to them in our community spotlight and they were very kind to us and responded to us in theirs. They gave us a shout out in their episode as well, which was, uh, we thank you for so much. That, that's awesome. Um, it is nice to see that the community does want to work together. I started doing the community spotlight 
not as a not as a way of like we'll say getting counter feedback or counter counter um shout outs that was very nice of them to do that for us but i do it because seeing as we are all part of a one community i want people who listen to our show to know what other people are doing in the community that's why we started with a community spotlight but road actually doing it the shout out on his show also came to our site and wrote a comment on the show that he was part of episode six he goes hello tales of tamriel and though i already said uh so on our recent release belated welcome to the eso community figured only right to drop by and offer my thanks for the spotlight on the tso cast uh for this episode, episode six, the review I felt was very fitting for our show, and I appreciate the praise passed towards us. To sort out a minor bit of confusion, Ethan, Carlos, and myself are all part of the same guild, Volkendine. Uh, you did very well with the pronunciation. I don't know if I botched it up because I don't remember how I pronounced it in episode six, <laughs> which is a chapter of Legion Gaming. Carlos and Ethan are certainly PvPers, and while I am as well, I like to take time to enjoy entirety of the games presented to me, especially exploration. I'm certainly the more casual of the group. Pretty much same here, Road. Uh, I like to do everything. Now then, as for you, in all capitals, I really enjoyed your show's dynamic. And while this is my first step into listening to you guys, I will be picking up the earlier episodes and catching up in anticipation for your next coming episode. I'm a podcast lover before being a podcaster, and I love adding new shows to my queue because of how many I consume each week. It'll be awful if I find out you're not of the Ebon Heart variety. However, as I'd hate to be forced to go full-on naked Nord upon you on the fields of battle. <laughs> that sounds strange, doesn't it? Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was worried about as well. Overall, great show. I was glad to offer you guys a plug in return, and I look forward to working with you guys within the community, within the game, and behind the scenes in the future. Feel free to hit me up anytime, whether by email or Twitter, and keep up the great work. Thank you, Road, for that awesome comment and for the counter shout-out. And definitely, this goes out to all podcasters and all websites, part of the community. If you have a community event coming up, feel free to message us somehow, and I will gladly do a, a, uh, a shout-out on our community spotlight to let people know about your event. I want us to be, like I said, community podcast. We are community first. We want to let people know what's going on in the community. So if you need, if you have something going on, let me know. I'd appreciate it. Um, next up, we have Ham Toast. He wrote it on the site. He goes, I started listening to your podcast a couple of episodes ago, and I thought it was time to let you guys know how much I like your show. It's very well produced and keeps me occupied on the long trade rides to work. Thank you for taking the time to make these. Keep doing what you're doing. Well, thank you, Ham Toast. That is very flattering because... I don't think it's very well produced. Very but... well produced. What the hell is he talking about? <laughs> oh, thank you for that. Yeah, we put a lot of thought into this show. Anyway, lot, we, we have a whole crew, and, and I'm just kidding. No, it's, it's just us. But I do thank you for your kind words, and I'm glad you enjoy the show. Moving on to iTunes reviews. We had one three-star review from DC Podna. Great source of info about ESO, but it's often hidden behind awkward banter and greater than one hour length of podcast. Absolutely need to cut the length 
NB. I love this word, dude, but I cannot pronounce it. Succinct. I know what it means. It it literally means to speak clearly or concisely. Um, or to short, you know, it says or or to speak in shorter sentences. Or to add shortcuts to topics for people who don't have hours to listen. Um, first off, I will say. I will read your comments. If it's constructive criticism, I will absolutely read it. That's why I, I featured this on the show. Um, as for the awkward banter, I take 100% claim for that. I am sorry. That's how I talk. At least I started the show with a super awkward thing. Yeah, and, and Krabby apparently is now joining me in the awkward banter. Um, I will do my best to work on my my... And I'm not doing a very good job right now, but speaking better. Words. Yeah, in words, speaking with words um, to get my sentences and everything clear. Thank you for the feedback. I will indeed work on that. That is 100% my fault. And even my wife tells me I do this. So I will work on that. Now, as for the greater than one length or one hour length episode, to be honest, I, I understand not having hours to listen. And I don't think the hour podcast is going to change. Because There's so many lot. other podcasts that have direct, concise information just for you. This is not that kind of podcast, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just more. It's more than that. It is. There's a lot. There's a lot of us in this podcast. Now, with that being said, um, podcast length may or may not go down depending on the amount of news we have for the week, etc. But I wouldn't go – I wouldn't bet on it. I will make an effort going forward – to take detailed notes about when we talk about different things and I will have a um, on episodes going forward I will have timestamps for when we talk about different things so you can skip ahead if you would like that's the best I can do for you now so I will go for going forward from this um, from the next episode going forward I will keep as detailed I can um, notes about where different topics start so that I can give you guys timestamps. I have to interject here for a moment and say that I personally feel that none of our banter is awkward. Even though we go off on tangents, it is still in some way pertinent to the conversation. None of our banter seems awkward to me. I think that's a strange word to use there. And it's just because you're used to it. <laughs> oh, that, that might be right. Yeah. Forgot about that. I, yeah, I, I think the awkward, quote-unquote awkward banter kind of what gives the show some of its lovability. I, I enjoy the awkward banter. Oh, well, as do I. And that's what I was saying. A lot of this is part of our show. This is what we do. There are, like uh, Krabby said, very concise to the letter podcast and actually to be honest i don't even see very many of those in the es community I, I don't i mean there are other podcasts out there who are way better produced than us i'm gonna say it we're, we're still new and we're getting better as we go along but there are other ones who just do things better and we'll get there um but <laughs> i really don't see a lot of shows that are news news and done like i my goodness, I think the the last episode of TisoCast was one of the smallest episodes I've seen, and that was an hour and 40 minutes. Um, 
I actually have an unlistened to Elder Scrolls Off the Record podcast right now that tips in at over three hours. Those podcasts are monsters. I love them. I, I do too. Now, and I understand if you don't have hours to listen, that can be strenuous to go through because you a three hour podcast. If you don't have long to listen, it's hard to get through one podcast. So obviously, you're going to pick the podcast that you like best. But you know, for some of us, I prefer long ones because I work on computers all day. And this is what I, I listen to. I have book uh, Audible, books on tape, um, and I have podcasts. That's what I listen to all day. So long podcasts are great. But I will do all those things I suggested um, to try to help you out, uh, DC Podna. <laughs> um, thank you so much for your constructive criticism because that was. It was constructive. It wasn't your show socks. He told us what he does not like. And it gave us suggestions on how to fix it. That is feedback that we love. Thank Except so he used a word that you could not pronounce. I knew what it meant, but it doesn't mean I couldn't pronounce it. He, he, he skipped over it anyway, like other words. Yeah, I did. That's fine. All right, moving on. Pyman0100 gives us a five star. And he goes, I think it would be cool if you guys did a week or two where you focused on some of the older Elder Scrolls games like Morrowind, Oblivion, Daggerfall, and Arena. Kind of to get a feel for how much the game has advanced. Signed, P-Dog. Um, I definitely agree. And next week, especially if there's no beta, I'm actually going to be booting up probably Morrowind or Oblivion. That could work good because, honestly, I just finished modding out Oblivion the other day. And I was going to play it this week, but South Park came out. So there's a good chance I might have uh, some Oblivion to talk about next time. All yeah. right. I can join in <clears throat> on that. I have Oblivion. Yeah, I'm, I think Sweet. I might boot up that. I've only ever I beaten the main quest once. I've never done anything else on it. But um, I definitely think that would be a a fun thing to do. Is that the one where I told you that I spent hours jumping just trying to, to get my to level up? acrobatics or whatever? Yep. yep. <laughs> All right. I, I have fond memories of that one. Okay. I, I think I'll enjoy this. And I have played all of them. To some extent, so I think one of the one of the times, maybe one of our discussion will be looking at all the different games and how they've changed and what's changed. I think that'd be a good discussion topic. So, thank you so much, Pie Man zero one one or zero one zero zero, for your five star review. We do appreciate it, and hopefully next week we'll have some uh, Oblivion playthrough to talk about. All right, I want to thank everyone for their comments and feedback this week. Now it's time for my least favorite part of the show. It's our closing thoughts. Let's start with Ace. Ace, give us your closing thoughts for the episode. I loved doing that story with you. The the back and forth, because then I'm not straining trying to do a male voice and it doesn't come out awkwardly. That that was a lot of fun. I, I love doing that with you. We might have to, to do that again if you think you can find a book where we can go back and forth. And I also want people to do comments and use big words so we can see eggs struggle on more vocabulary. That's not cool. <laughs> Krabby, it's now your turn. Give us your final thoughts for the episode, buddy. Oh, man, I hope the next book you guys choose is, is, has two different female voices because I would love to hear you do a, uh, a woman's voice. That would be great. That is a but, great um, idea. <laughs> I, I have a feeling my female voice will come off less female and more flaming. 
homosexual. I, I don't know. It could be pretty bad. Uh, no, so. but no, I'm I'm honored to have been asked to come back, you know, and spew off the, the crap that comes out of my mouth. Um, I had a lot of fun. You know, I, I like doing this a lot. So I really I, I'm really happy you uh, asked me to come back. No, no problem, buddy. We uh we really like having you here on the show. Definitely adds more of a dynamic to the couple dynamic that we have. And we enjoy we enjoy going back and forth with you on this. So it, it's a lot of fun. So um we'll have to bring you back again next week especially if you have some oblivion to talk to anyway i want to thank all my co-hosts for joining me this evening for myself when i think about the show again i love the book that was fun hopefully you know if we can i'll look to see if we can do something like that again especially if fans like it they don't well then i'll shut up and just let it go back to you um but if there's multiple books like that maybe i'll pull into it if if we do a storybook like that again um again I, i'm super excited to play eso every time i see the news crabby sending me like mad tweets going oh my goodness <laughs> look at this and i'm just looking and being amazed by this game and how far it's coming it it is it just amazes me and the amount of feedback we get on the show the amount of very positive comments and even the criticism which like i said i i appreciate criticism like that um I'm actually I'm pretty sure that's how Krabby even got on the show because he was the first to offer constructive criticism about my mic and music volumes. So <laughs> yeah. that, that gets you going in good places with us because I, I do like constructive criticism. Um, it's all about making the show better because we I, I adore doing this. I look forward to recording every week and uh, I cannot wait for ESO to come out and being have more to talk about. Albeit, I think our, our story time is going to have to be a face and a jealous story time because we'll be playing together. So look forward to not having individual story times from the two of us so much as couple. So pretty much what he is saying is that our story time will be condensed into him talking for an hour about our adventures without me getting a word in edgewise. <laughs> That's not cool. That's but I love it. I, it. It works for me. I like being the strong, silent type. So getting me to do this is actually, it's really strange for me because Ag does talk more than I do. And it's odd because normally it's the woman who who has that. Yeah, well, the main reason why we're also probably going to merge together is because she's not going to have any stories because 90% of it's going to be, oh, look, a flower. Oh, oh, look, a flower. Oh. Oh, look, a f- oh, my bags are full. We got to go back. No, that's when I just dump everything on you and tell you to hold all my stuff. And then I go, oh, look, a flower. Exactly. That's what's going to happen. All right. Well, those are my, my thoughts for the show. We're definitely going to look at probably doing some Oblivion playthrough for next week. And uh, thank you for the compliments and criticism for this show all right um i want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast oh i did want to mention that some people have been asking me already if we accept donations for the show um and that's a way of them helping out for the podcast some people want to help out in different ways some people are like i just like to listen and i have money so here take my money um i was kind of against it at first uh but i mean there's if, if people want I had people who were up against saying they wanted donated, so I added a PayPal donation link to talesoftamriel.com. If anyone is interested in supporting the show, um, 
you can do so there. And I do want to give a special thank you to those who have already donated in their time and money to help fund the hosting because this is all out of Thais and I's pocket. Um, I pay for the hosting. I pay for all that. I, we do all the work ourselves. Um, Krabby has been amazing help with writing and helping me research news. So, like, this is all... We're, we're not getting at anything out of this. This is all us wanting to do stuff for the community. But for those of you who want to help us out, there's options. There's Even if it's not monetary options, if you want to help out somehow, message me. We can, we can figure something out. Um, it is greatly appreciated. If you want to contact us, feel free to send us questions, comments, criticisms on our website for the show, talesoftamriel.com. Or you can email the show at podcast at talesoftamriel.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Tales of Tamriel or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tales of Tamriel podcast. Also feel free to rate and subscribe us via iTunes. That helps our rating out. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Tales of Tamriel. Have a good evening, everyone.